I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. My name is Alex Q, and welcome to the seventh episode of Miscast. There is no I in Team Miscast. Hmm? There's no I in Team Miscast? There is, Alex. Fuck, there is. It's right there. That's the That's the joke. That's the joke. You must have seen Team America, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then they said there's no I in Team America. There is. And then the, then the computer says, yes, there is. You know that, that the classic saying, without your stupid title, the classic <laughs> saying is there's no I in Team, is there? But yeah, exactly. There, but there is me. Oh, you. that's what I was waiting to say, Owen. Livid. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, there's no I in... <laughs> So there's no iron team miscast. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted, this is the seventh episode. I'm going to stop saying our short series because we keep extending it. So I'm just going to say this is our seventh episode where we use the expertise of my superstar co-host and our special guest, where we discuss tabletop topics that we hope will help improve your generalship, expertise and enjoyment of your gaming experience. It's the podcast that talks nonsense and sense, as if you hadn't heard already from the title. And it's the podcast this week that's been looking out for side quests. Heard about this? Lots of comedy podcasts talking about side quests in real life. So if any any of you play uh, online computer games at all? Oh, I'm aware. Going around. Like like uh, Grand Theft Auto, you kind of go off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have like a common main thing you need to do, but you get given these weird side things where you have to go to like a shop or something. Um, And I listen to a podcast called Bud Pod, and they're talking about people sending in their 
uh, in real life, they're going to work or something, and suddenly they see something that looks like a side quest. So there'll be some random person they've never met offering them like random <laughs> bits of money, or there's an open door to a building that they don't know what's in it, and it looks very side questy. Uh, I mean, that sounds terrifying. I was going to say that sound just sounds like my life in general, really, constantly <laughs> looking for distraction from the grind of normal life. Yeah. What's um, the worst side quest you've ever? I say worst side quest. What's the most time-consuming side quest you've ever gone? Because mine, I don't know if you ever played Zelda. Oh, easy. Mine's easy. Zelda yeah. Ocarina of Time. You could go fishing, and my friend Aaron Toomer would always have a fish that was fatter than my fish, and I spent hours trying to get a fat fish to challenge Aaron and then every time I told him that I'd I've, I've got a bigger fish he'd tell me oh I've just spent five minutes and I've got an even fat fish <laughs> <He's the pissing. laughs> I don't like the sound of this guy <laughs> oh, he, he, Aaron Toomer is someone that's just the very best at everything bless him but he, I, had a, I had a life side quest the other day I was about to say I've got a life side quest for sure yeah go um, on fat fish <laughs> no Mine involved going to, God, what was it? I think around about 32 consecutive tube stations because I got on the train to drop Dan Arnold, a friend of mine. He came up to stay for the weekend. We had a lovely time. We went to Bad Moon. Love and we had like a little businessy meeting because we're going to put on some tournaments next year. Ooh. Spoilers. Um, and then being mm. all relaxed, I got on the tube and the main quest was take dan to paddington not that he's not a big boy and can't do on his own but it would just be a nice thing to do and then the side quest became leave your macbook and house keys on the tube and get off and then try and spend the next six hours trying to find them so my side quest involved going to every fucking tube station that potentially (laughs) the train i was on could have gone to um and much like aaron's fish and your story darren i <laughs> failed in my side quest and had to get my locks changed and buy a new computer oh, that's a shit it's the fucking worst side quest <laughs> i really thought you were going to say that you got the macbook and the keys back owen i'm sorry yeah, i completed the side quest <laughs> there was a, there was you know that kind of feeling where much like in a game of warhammer you're like yeah i'm okay i'm gonna win this i'm gonna win this oh, i've lost a few bits okay maybe and then as the turns go you realise that you've lost, and I lost that day. Um, Six yeah. hours, though. That's a good innings. You know that you give a good fucking a good fucking go, brother. <laughs> I would have yeah, just got- gone. Oh well, that's the sort of thing that happens to me every fucking day, and just gone home. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I hate to say it, it was a very Darren Watson thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Owen, uh, Darren would have left his pants and his shoes on the tube. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's although, true. although someone would have found them for me, to be fair, and they'd have turned up at my house a week later because that's how I get through life. <laughs> Things go wrong, and then they sort themselves out. <laughs> so yeah, side quests. I can I talk about my life side quest? Am I allowed yeah, to talk please. about this? Alex, we need more of you in the podcast. That's what I've been hearing from the No, no, none of that. I'm here to talk to the experts, you see. My job is as the is the interviewer, you see. That's, no, that's what I see. But my side quest though was after our last week's uh, episode where everyone loved the drive-through cathedral discussion, uh which seemed to set people off onto various random tangents. Mm-hmm. Um 
I was going to see a non-drive-through cathedral. So anyone ever been to Canterbury? That's down near your way, isn't it, Darren? Or is it a bit too far? Uh, it sounds like the sort of place my parents would have taken me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, goes in one, place. it goes in one eye and out the other. So, <laughs> I'm not so walking along the, the bit of the cobbles and everything else, and then the, the, obviously the main quest was to get to the cathedral, right? But mm-hmm. then on the side, there was this weird little, like, I'm going to call it a breadcrumb trail, but in reality, it was probably more like just a load of breadcrumbs on the on the ground. But it looked like a trail, and there was a random, we'll call them an old elderly gentleman with a big kind of staff next to where the breadcrumbs were wow. going. And I was thinking, this is death. This is complete video game now. Like the guy's mm-hmm. going to be there, going, "Hello, traveller, welcome to." Oh, I've lost my yeah, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, oh fuck it, I'm going to follow the breadcrumbs, and. Uh, just followed the breadcrumbs down this thing, and I was like, "Oh, it's winding! It's going to come out to this amazing thing." And then it just came out to a rubber sheep at the end. <laughs> so then I just walked back again to the main oh. couple street, and that I was it. But you're going to say there's a giant loaf of bread at the end, or something, yeah. or some massive, massive statue, or some some amazing courtyard? No, it was just that was just rubbish. So was, you know, if, if it was a real side quest, what you should have done is walked away from the old man with the staff. And then immediately turned around and gone back. And if you'd have said exactly the same thing again, you'd be like, okay, I definitely am in a video game. <laughs> yeah, but- I need to do this. <laughs> Hello, traveler. I've not seen you before. Come. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. So, yeah. So, side quests. If you have any side quests, please send them into our um, Miss Cost Twitch feed. I, I personally would love to hear about them. So, side quests. Um, right. Enough of side quests. Uh, let's get the introductions going. So, you have heard him. He's the loudest on here by far. You can hear his sexy serenades and his screaming out of pervert and football. He goes by at Positive Victim on Twitter. It's Darren Watson. Hi, the Darren. loudest. Livid. You're, you're definitely the loudest. How me and <laughs> Owen? I just sit closest to, the, um, to, the, to my laptop. <laughs> oh, is that your excuse? Yeah, okay. Um, how's things? All right? Uh, it's a mixed bag today um so if i start with the good um because yep. i was like trying to concentrate on that so i've been speaking to simon weekly um recently and we're going to sort of collaborate with my patron or my patron <laughs> rather he's going to be adding some written content for my patrons and he did his first test piece the other day which was explaining his um take on wow his hexray list that has been that's been very successful and i read through it and it was it was one it was one beautifully written and it's going to be super useful um and it's going to be something that's available going to be available to my patrons um very soon so i'm lo- i'm looking forward to sort of expanding that um side of it and hopefully adding a bit of value to former patrons because i'm not particularly good i used to be i used to really enjoy written content i did a lot um about early seraphon on lustria and i really enjoyed it but in recent years um my mind's getting even worse with regards to its attention span and i just don't enjoy it as much as i used to so it's nice that i can bring on a friend who can do quality content and cover some of the gaps in you know what would be very useful for people so i'm quite excited about that um shout out simon Yes, yeah, yeah, very excited. It was very, very, very good piece. I'd recommend it. You can join for a minimum of £5 a month. <laughs> I was going to also say, and if you want to hear more from Simon, you can listen to episode uh, three. I'm yeah, going to say three. 
list building. Um, and then the, the 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 bad bit about today is um, Evie. We lost. I lost Evie, my little puppy. Well, I say look, my little puppies because she never really grew up. She was like two years old, but she always felt like a little puppy because she just had oodles of energy, and you could not tame her. She would never. She couldn't be trained. She was always pulling on her bloody lead, little bitch bag. <laughs> but um, her, her, her ashes came today, so we've had quite a bit of a, a bit of a sad day, let's say. So I'm hoping you guys can can cheer me up. So yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Darren, but yeah, yeah no worries, hopefully yeah. we can cheer you up. So fine, yeah, a bit of context. My little um, uh, my little pup. Whilst I was away in America, um, um, Evie Evie left us. She's she was a rescue dog, and she had a malformed heart, and sudden death was always something that could occur but we had her for a good sort of 18 months and you kind of forget and you kind of hope and Mm. obviously it didn't end well um so that's that yes i don't mean to bring you all down (laughs) yeah a a mixed bag a mixed bag today i'm no you're all good and i was gonna say i'm sorry darren but i'm sure you gave her an amazingly enjoyable life and you cared very much so i'm sure that was that was the best so yeah exactly But we'll do our best to to keep keep the spirits high. Exactly. Um, so she enjoyed every day. She sorry. She enjoyed every day. That's the thing. You know, the the the, the grace of sudden death is she didn't know it. <laughs> so. Oh well, there you go. There's a top tip for everyone already, and to yeah. enjoy every single day. So oh, good grief. Yeah. Good um, pa- talking of Patreon, not to move move aside, but uh, how do how do people get onto your Patreon? I had a few questions again asking about this. How would one? If oh, one really? wanted to be coached, how would they get onto one's Patreon? There's a link in my bio. There's a link in my bio on Twitter. You're more than welcome to DM me for information. Um, I'm going to, as per uh, a good friend of mine's suggestion, offer. Do I think I've got a bit of time over December where I'm going to be doing a couple of free sessions for people if they want to try out and see if we get on with each other, with the thinking that if we do, that they can sign up later in the year so i'm going to be i'm I'm going to be doing a bit of an expansion hopefully come january when i've got a bit more time um so yeah it's a good time to get in touch with me if you are interested and we've had shout out to some of my patrons it's always difficult talking about my patrons because you don't want to name them because you don't know if they want people to know that they're being coached or not (laughs) and discretion is key so i try to be um i try to offer a lot of discretion but i'm really proud um in recent weeks um, lots of my patrons have been going to some events. Some have been going to their very ver- first event um, and they're all popping, you know, they're all doing some numbers. They're all putting in some results and they're all getting back in touch with me and they're all super excited. It's um, yeah, it's just really, it's really reassuring that it's working. And uh, I find it's, um, it's a lot of fun to do. I'm very pleased I started it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, it looks, it looks great. I mean, two things I was going to say is a call back to Lustria. That's a, that's an old shout out. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Lustria. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's old school. And B, why the bloody hell is Simon doing a how to play hex this just as I started practicing them? Is what I can say. <laughs> can I list that as an, as negative feedback for the Patreon? Yeah, well, with his permission, I'll send you it. It's very it's a very well written piece. Oh, don't, sure. and don't send him it, man. That list is <laughs> absolute. That list is an absolute killer. Um, lots of people at the Six Nations were like, "Oh, we didn't quite estimate. Uh, we underestimated what that can do because people think it's a board control list, but it's got some." <laughs> it's not, it's a no, delusion. no, let's not talk about this list, please. Thank you very much. No, you've just got you're you're about to hit the table. No. Is that what we're saying, no. Alex? Yeah. No. 
<laughs> no, didn't happen. How Nothing. very sporting of you, Alex. Side note. <laughs> I'd love. I what what is lustria? Because it sounds like the kind of thing that my life is currently missing. I would love a bit of lustria in my life. Uh, so back in ye oldie days, before the world was destroyed, um, mm. in the oh, sorry, ye oldie yeah. world was 2019, destroyed. Yeah, uh, twenty nineteen. Twenty two thousand three. Okay. Four. Uh, there were lots of uh, faction forums like uh, and uh, lustria and. Oh, God, what were the other ones? There were loads. Essentially, they had different army forums. Okay. So Lustria, was the, Lustria was the lizard men one yeah. before uh, they became Seraphon. So, not, so sexy, not sexy at all, then. So in the old world, in the old <laughs> world, the lizard men came from Lustria. Yeah. Ah, okay. And they were still fucking broken back then as well. So yeah, exactly. It was it was just busted lizard men all the time. So stupid, yeah. stupid dinos. So yeah, so there you go. But right, enough of that. Let's get the next person in. Uh <laughs> it's the I keep laughing every time I do this. But anyway, uh let's get the sexy sock seductor himself in. You can find him at R Sock Me Toes on the ground. <laughs> He's at OJ180 on Twitter. It's the Owen Jackson. Hi, Woo! Owen. <laughs> Hello, Alex. That was some some top billing again there. Thank you very much. You're the ultimate Thanks. hype man. Um, Thanks. I hope people actually do search for your Instagram handles uh, and go find this stuff. Um, There's all sorts of weird shit out there if you search for that. Definitely. How are we? <laughs> uh, we were talking off air about your turmeric root brew, and I've decided to bring that up onto the recording. So, you monster! Are you gonna? Um, good. Yeah, the brew. The brew is good. I would rather be drinking Yorkshire tea, but I didn't have any milk, so I thought I'd drink some kind of fancy tea that my brother left here. So, turmeric's very good for your guts, I believe. I had a friend that I went raving with once. And he brought loads of uh, turmeric and I think it's called galang galang. It's like a kind of Thai root vegetable that you use for spicing. And um, yeah, to counteract all the debauchery, he was just eating turmeric all the time. So he had like really yellow teeth. That was a weird story. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel the future listeners like zoning out. The ones like Jack and Steve. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Jack and Steve. We know how much you love this bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, my turmeric brew is delicious. Thank you. Um, but I thought that I might need some pepping up because I'm a bit tired. But um, just a bit of hearty conversation with some nice people has pepped me up. Um, and then I'm, now I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, no, oh, I'm touche, touche. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all right. I'm good. I've um, the the Warhammies has been uh, taking a bit of a backseat for real life work recently. What? Um, Are you feeling all right? No, no, no more tournaments. The, yeah. ad, the addiction has dropped off. Yeah. Uh, no. I have been to a tournament. I just didn't play. So I went to the <laughs> Six Nations. When was that? God, that was not this weekend, gone last weekend, obviously, with my Welsh brethren. Welsh um, bros, yeah. Welsh bros. Shout out to, to all the team. Shout um, out to the Wales bros. Congrats on I second, mean, brother. that's literally, no, it, it's, uh, yeah. Don't use the, ever do that accent again, please, Alex. That was <laughs> terrible. Um, no, so that was lovely. I had a good time. Um, sort of, I would, uh, it was kind of 
thought of as being coaching, but it wasn't really coaching. I was just there being a hype man, organizing everybody. You, I'm much, I, I'm sure that listeners of the podcast will probably realize that I'm quite a, a prepper now. I don't have a basement full of tin food. Not that I kind of you'd prepper. be great on that show. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have like, you know, uh, I do like to prepare prior to, tournament so simon and i the captain of wales he he thought that it'd be beneficial for the team if they you know benefited from my way of doing things in terms of and analyzing all the lists and and you know bespoke score sheets for everybody and that sort of thing but the main takeaway really was it was in belfast i'd never been to belfast and i loved it what a wonderful place shout out to belfast um shout out to belfast the first weekend of the christmas market so we had like you know German sausages and ice cream. And then we went and drank Guinness in a big tent with live music. It was lovely and met lots of nice people. Um, didn't beat England. So shout out to England for being very consistent. Um, but we did take more points off them than we ever have before, at, uh, in my time at least, and in Simon's reign. And then we capped all the other nations and, and got a solid second. So that's Thank been... Great showing. Yeah, it was it was very good. We brought some new people in and um, got some experience. And as I say, Simon and I, um, you know, we were sort of more a managerial role. Um, so that was my Warhammer playing. Other than that, I would say I'm looking towards. Uh, I need to. I want to keep playing my Stormcast list. Um, <laughs> currently, I'm not going to say the best Stormcast player in the world because I know I'm not. And I've got because the- and I'm on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but currently, come at me with real Stormcast lists, not my silly list, but I, I am the number one best performing Stormcast player in the world with that silly list, um, which is quite amusing. <laughs> um, but I'm looking to change it. I think I might have to lose the slam. Um, I'm not sure what everyone else thinks, but I don't know if he's worth 285 points. I think he might be. But with the help of Leo, I've been working on some future plans of a, a, a slandless world, which I'm sure <laughs> everyone can get behind. Um, yeah. So yeah, and that's not Bastion in it. Bastion, mm. I like him, but it's got Aventus Firestrike in it. Oh my oh. god, you've gone mental! Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he's um he's great for 270 points no he is yeah and he keeps someone alive which is always fantastic when you lose that prime and then he stays alive that's yeah neg your opponent right out isn't it also two casts two unbinds it means there's two sources of being able to cast the everblaze comet so you can be more aggressive still aggressive with the dragon and then i've even managed to stick in 20 sentinels who get plus one to cast what? star drake i know so two units mm. of 10 sentinels um, instead of um, instead of the slam. Sorry, wow. I retract pervert, and I would like to forward <laughs> with asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so for all the people that loved Owen's uh, slam <laughs> comet list, he's changed it all and become a dirty tryhard. Are they plus so... one to hit with Aventus as well? Because it's friendly. Is it friendly models? That... No, it's Stormcast and. Um, Good. And Hammerhall lists get get the comet thing. Okay. But he's also got a D three mortal wounds AOE spell. I don't know if anyone. Every unit within six no. inches takes D three mortals. No. Um, it is only nine inch range, so I'd love to get portal in there. But um, two cast, two unbind monster with plus one to cast. Some really good synergy with the rest of the army. 
Um, heals D3 every hero phase, 14 wounds, three up save. I think he's all right. He can fight a little bit. He's good value for it. He's good value for his points. Yeah. Great. Anyway, that's been my Warhammer bits of late. Um, Great. Yeah. I think that sounds fantastic. But enough of your slandless world. We should move on and meet our lovely guests today. Who has sent the Twitters into a storm? So he's been described by some as the thirstiest player on the tournament scene. He's been described by some as a very stand-up gentleman. And he's been described by others simply as Joey P. Um, as I mentioned, our Twitter feed has gone mad with Spice Questions Entertainment. Uh, you can find him at There Is Only Joe on Twitter. It's Joe Purcell, everyone. Hi, Ooh. Joe. Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thank I'm you for coming on. Very happy to be on. here. Yeah, very happy to be here. Not Did one. you enjoy our nonsense as much as Jack did in the last episode. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's a good position to align yourself as pro uh, to things that Jack's anti. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, re- I really do. It keeps me, uh, keeps me entertained at the start of listening to every one of your podcast guys. So keep it going. You can come back. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey Alex, I, I tell you what, every time I listen to the podcast at the start and you refer to it as your short series of podcasts, I'm always a bit like, Oh come on! What we really need is like two hundred episodes of this. And, uh, so I'm uh, I'm relieved to hear that you're thinking about dropping the short series. Ah. Yeah, I think a few people have mentioned it, and uh, uh, I think we we will be doing some some set series just to give people ears a break as series. But yeah, uh, people seem to enjoy it. So thank you, thank you very much. It's very kind. Oh, so we're we might get ideas, aren't we? We need um, people to suggest what we ideas. Do. I'm running out of puns. I'm not going to have any more titles. <laughs> So, so yes, it's uh, so yeah. Thanks, Joe. It's awesome, and very happy to have you on to talk about this spicy subject. Yes, um, absolutely, so, the most hardcore. Yeah, it really <laughs> is hilarious how much, considering all the kind of try-hard subjects we've been doing, like list writing and deployment and everything else. Sportsmanship has sent you all crazy. You know who you are, but wow, the amount of um, the amount of questions that's come in, uh, and Joe's already been kindly batting them away uh, with expertise. <laughs> um, so uh, what we're going to do today is just run through all your amazing questions because there's tons of them and I think lots of them cover uh, lots of the main parts about sportsmanship. So the whole episode is going to be about sportsmanship. Um, so sportsmanship. I think we should start with the most important subject to discuss regarding sportsmanship and that's clocks. Yeah, because we do it every episode. <laughs> um the basis, but, of, basis of good comedy is repetition, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to keep doing it because I know a few people that absolutely hate me doing it. And so now it's just going to keep on happening. Um, we will get to timekeeping with regards to sportsmanship because I do think that's actually a serious question. Um, but what I want to start with, I guess, Joe, um, and we start with yourself, is sportsmanship. Um if you look it up, it's defined in various different sports, in various different uh, games. It's defined as fairness, uh, sort of decency and that sort of stuff. And I guess just to start with, I want to start with you, what, what it kind of means to you with regards to, to Sigma or Warhammer in general and um, kind of what you think of when you think of sportsmanship and what, what you think is kind of important, um, 
I guess, for competitive Sigma, but also, you know, just playing the game. Yeah, sure. So I think it's, it's important that you mentioned the, um, the competitive part because fundamentally I'm a competitive player. Um, you know, I play Warhammer for two reasons. Uh, the the one one of them is to practice to win my next tournament game, or yeah. to play at my next tournament. And I'm going into every tournament game to to win. Um, and although, not to crush people, to crush dreams. No, absolutely. I mean, my objective my objective at the Warhammer table is to to win as quickly and as effortlessly as possible. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and and that's that's something that you don't often see aligned kind of with sportsmanship. And I think that the in in my role as an England selector, I'm obviously connected to some people at the very, very sharp end of Warhammer. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes that you can kind of see um, sports is kind of, you know, in the day it always used to be like a sports and painting trophy. And actually mm-hmm. I think sports is far more aligned to playing the game than anything else. And I think with the correct sporting attitude, actually, or with a better sporting attitude, if you can if you can improve your sportsmanship, um, you're going to improve your own experience of the game, and you're going to improve your op- opponent's experience of the game. Yeah. And uh, if you can uh, handle yourself at the table in a sportsmanlike way, um, you're going to improve your win rate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of the time, people don't people don't necessarily see that kind of at the very competitive end. Um, and I think that the, you know, this, this is obviously a competitive Warhammer focused podcast. And what I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, uh, is, um, if you can get your sports right, you're going to improve your win rate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, kind of justification of that is the, the last two major tournaments I've been to, I've finished third at both, um, we're playing a Marathi and the Bow Snakes. Um, mm. and so playing at playing an absolutely nails list uh, at, at grand tournaments so 100 plus players came podiumed at both of them and got nine out of ten possible sports votes across those two <laughs> tournaments so mm. you know that's not it's not about you know people kind of say oh it's about shaking your opponent's hand and buying them a drink and i really don't think that's anything to do with that all i think that's just being a decent human being um yeah. but uh, <laughs> but yeah you so say absolutely goes it absolutely goes hand in hand for me um and so uh, along those lines sport. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And along those lines, because you, you mentioned it kind of akin to, to kind of to playing the game properly, I guess, um, how, how do you view uh, as being a good sport in our game? How would you view kind of improving on that sportsmanship? What what did you notice from that tournament that you were doing better from a sportsmanship point of view? Okay, so I think that the what what I've learned really is it's about um, if you can manage your, it, this is quite aligned with what Jack was saying, actually, if you can manage your emotions and you can manage your opponent's emotions, then you're immediately on a on a better footing uh, to win the game. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily manipulating your opponent, but it's playing that clean game. And I think, you know, the the parts that the parts of the games that we often don't like are the parts of the games where people fall out, which is the worst possible situation, mm-hmm. um, or the parts of the game where there's just that bit of friction. Like most of the time, if you behave in a certain manner, you can resolve that with your opponent in a way that you both feel good about. Um, and I think it's really just comes down to like ownership of ownership of playing versus another human being. You're engaging with them in, in a game um, and yeah, you know, you want to win. I desperately want to win. I'm a hugely competitive man, um, but I want to do it in the right way. And I think what, in terms of practical things that I've changed about my game is I've, I've really tried to improve over the years, my communication 
um, and explain the intentions of how I'm playing. Um, and I think that once you once you start to improve, right? Okay, so we've all played the opponent, right? And it's not it's not necessarily about I I'm. I'm totally aware that I'm a socially able man, and I know mm. that not everybody who you're going to play at Warhammer is is going to be a, f- a fully socially able person. Person like you know, I'm I'm an outgoing, very confident person, um, and not everybody that you meet is like that in life, in Warhammer, whatever. Um, mm. And but as you as you communicate more clearly, you get a better game going. And you know, we've we've all played opponents where. Um, you know, they, they don't perhaps explain their dice rolls. It does my head in when, you know, someone just picks a load of dice out of a dice tray. I mean, using a dice tray, great. Um, but, you know, <laughs> pick, a load of, pick a load of dice out of a dice tray and then they're like, oh, it's, it's four, rend one, damage one. And you're like, could you just have run that by me a little bit so I could have mm. just checked it a little bit? And I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying I think you've done it wrong, but like, let's just improve this communication here. And I think mm. really for me, it's been, that's been sort of talking through my opponent with my opponent explaining what my intentions are. That's probably been the biggest change that I've made recently to my app table behavior. Oh, interesting. So for you, it's very, it's very aligned with communication, really strongly aligned. So maybe the better communicators are the ones that are kind of improving or having good sportsmanship in the tournaments, you'd say. Yeah, I think so. And you know, the, the fundamental thing for me is if I could, if you, if you dear listener can leave this with one piece of, uh, changed thinking in your head or one thing that you do differently at your next game is uh, just have the pre-game conversation that's like the number one recommend I would give to anybody and it's the it's the pre-game conversation that says um, this is the type of game of Warhammer that I want to have what type of game of Warhammer do you want to have Mr. Opponent uh, and just kind of set a few set a few ground rules and the more that you can the more that you can set those ground rules the cleaner game you're going to have and the more enjoyable game you're going to have and the more likely you are to win that game yeah 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 really interesting how so you make you make a really great point there that you know you being sporting playing playing a clean game has helped you with your competitive success um but i i I assume the point of being the good sportsman isn't the result it's just or does that make sense like you're i'm not framing this very well am i your, no, I see what you're trying to get. I know what you're trying to get out, Darren, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, is the was the aim to improve the sports, or was it to improve the win rate, or are you just happy that I've, I've improved my sports, and as a consequence, I've noticed my win rate has gone up? Um, I think that my my intention um, at the start of every game of Warhammer that I play is to win it, and if I'm going to use all of the tools that I've got available to me to win that game. Um, so, if I notice an improvement in the number of games that I'm winning by um, by improving my sportsmanship by playing a cleaner game, uh, look, look, we're talking. We're really talking about removing the friction of that game, and I think it also kind of boils down into a wider point, really, about you know when you're. If you think about the sacrifices that you make to go and play Warhammer, particularly Grand Tournament Warhammer, you know, over uh, over a weekend, you know, you've you're away from um, you know probably people that you care about, you know, people you would be doing other things with at a weekend. You know, I have to mm. clear it with my wife to go away and play Toy Soldiers for you know two days, and I need to be I'm away from my daughter, and I, you know I really enjoy her company. She's great. 
you know, that's a weekend that I'm not going to get back with Betty when I go and play Warhammer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's great but you know we're making a lot of sacrifices we're spending a lot of money right you know we're paying for hotels and beer and takeaways and you know the armies that we spend thousands of pounds on and you know you're making a lot of you're making a lot of sacrifices for the hobby and i think you want to go away and when you play you want to have the best experience i don't want to be arguing with someone over a rules interpretation so i want to try and understand that kind of thing um at the, at the start of the game rather than coming to a sticky point during the game. So, for instance, at a recent tournament, I wasn't sure. I, I'd, 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 I knew that rules was written. Techless only knew the one spell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the start of the game, I got drawn against a Luminous player and I said to him, hey, man, at this tournament, uh, has it been FAQ that Techless knows all the spells? He says, yes, that's resolved, isn't it? We're not going to argue about that. Or we're not going to, that's not going to lead to a point of friction. And that's really what I'm talking about with communication and the, the pre-game conversation. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my opponent that I'm going to roll all my dice into a dice tray and anything that comes out of that dice tray, I'm going to re-roll. Um, you know, I don't, I don't care if, you know, it's, I need to roll a six to win the game. Um, if that six bounces out of my dice tray, it's getting re-rolled. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just about removing some of those variables. That's the key thing, isn't it? Being consistent with what you say. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I had that against Dan Bradshaw recently where I knew that if I lost turn two prio at Heartlands, then I lose the game. And we said dice flat on the mat only, and it rolled and it was just off on the table, still flat. And it was, I'd won prio, and he'd rolled a one. And the only way that I could fail Bryo, like I could lose the game effectively, was to roll a one. But I was like, nope, consistency, rolled the dice, rolled a one. He got the prior, he won the game. And that was like, okay, that's fine. But I'm walking away happy because I've stuck to my, you know, the rules that we laid out at the start of the game. Oh, exactly, Owen, you've agreed. Did you it. walk away happy or did you? I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was down in the dumps at the start of the game and he was flying high afterwards so i was happy to give him that experience oh wonderful wonderful i think joe really interesting what you've been saying there and i think perhaps there's an element of like the more that you play the more that you are actually striving for winning in the right way yeah um and and i think i really like the idea around like cleanliness and consistency and i think that that tends to be a byproduct of practice so like if you practice your army and you know all your rules inside out, then you can be super clear with all of the things that you are, are intending to do. And like, exactly. I, I've, I think it's more often than not players will call their dice rolls. And I think it's a really nice thing to be doing like, okay, hitting on threes. Oh yeah. you got your minus one to hit. Okay. So this is 20 attacks, fours and threes, ran one, one damage. And because we we're now operating in a very reactive game, you want your opponent to give you those, what those stats and then you'd be like oh actually yeah i'm going to all out defense that unit then because you know if you roll well it could die so um i do really like that idea of you know i, I think as well though in it I, I wanted to talk specifically about this because you know on those because we are in such a reactive game and there's we're also in a game where there's so much modification now of the dice rolls mm-hmm. um you know it's re- i found it really useful to say okay well this would hit on fours but i've all that attacked to to uh you know plus three to hit now uh, this effect is making it plus two to hit but that's capped at this and i'm minus one from am i have i got any negative modifiers and this is before you've rolled the dice right and yeah. then so you agree okay so that's going to go from fours to threes to twos back to fours yes okay brilliant or whatever or whatever the whatever the kind of the application is and once you're in that situation you've both got ownership of 
of the facts and nobody's ever feeling kind of um kind of let down or sidelined or and it's it's a good prompt for your opponent as well you know if they know what you're doing if they know what your intention is i think movement's a great example of this um so one of the best quality of life things i've done recently aside from buy a dice tray is i've bought a whole range of measuring sticks um because tape measures are basically useless um (laughs) and you know they're so imprecise um and what i do now when i move is say say i'm going to move a unit and its move is eight inches i'll get my nine inch measuring stick and i'll put it you know against the furthest forward model in that unit and say they're moving eight i'll take a combat gauge and i'll put it perpendicular to the nine inch movement stick at eight inches and if you then you show your opponent you say these can move eight so they can move up to this combat gauge do you agree they say yes there's no gray area you know, it's mm. no, and also there's nobody sat there questioning kind of like, well, that looked a bit more like eight and a half to me or, you know. And I played it, um, Marcella when we went out to the US at CastleCon, shouting out to the Roger Sigma boys. And um, she had a full set of measuring sticks. So six inches, eight inches, you know, and she was all, they were all proudly presented at the side, you know, and she made really good use of them and they made the game. She probably played one of the cleanest games I've ever seen. and it was you know and she had all these these bits and bobs to support it so i was a big fan of that um i wonder i'm gonna tap her up actually where she got them from because i'd like a set but yeah Yeah, they're all magnetic as well aren't they i saw that on twitter yeah really just really really useful i think maybe keying into what you're saying joe about you know making you a better player i think you know having that level of precision and you know just just being very methodical i think that maybe harking back to the last, the last episode from a psychological point of view, then that can be your opponent be like, Oh shit, shit. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. Or, yes. you, know, you know, so like there's a, there's again, there's like a, a byproduct of that cleanliness um, will be, you know, your opponent, the, 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 whilst it's not going to impact on your opponent's, you know, opinion of you per se, it'll still be like, Oh wow. Yeah. This person knows what they're doing. I'm going to have a really solid game here. Um, I think that that level of precision can give you with fill you with like confidence that you're like, I'm playing the game in the right way. I'm playing the game super clean. Like there's going to be no ambiguity if I win this game because I'm doing everything right here. If you're the opponent as well, you're thinking I'm playing against someone who's playing everything in the right way. It Mm. takes away doubt, which allows you to relax into your game much more. How many games have you been in where you felt, I've got to watch this person like an absolute hawk because <laughs> yeah, everything totally. they're doing is dodgy. <laughs> yeah, exa- absolutely. It happens way more than you think. Um, yes. I um, had a really nice game. I played at Mancunian Carnage a couple of weeks ago, and we there was a, a couple of reflections that I had after um, going uh, after playing at, at Mancunian Carnage. I played um, Kieran uh, from Angel Wargamers, um, in the uh, in the final game, and uh, we've been playing about twenty minutes, and I literally just said to him, I said, "Like, I'm having to do nothing to manage you. <laughs> you know, I'm not. <laughs> I, you know, you are playing so super clean. Uh, you know, I, I I even stopped looking at his dice rolls, right? Because you just when you meet that person and they're playing so cleanly, you know, you're just like, this is cool. I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm not having to do anything to manage this person here, and that's such a great position to be in. And I think Owen, to reflect your point earlier, um, when when you um, 
when you play somebody and they're playing super cleanly, it's, it's, the, it's kind of the, the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Mm. Uh, to use our kind of business business language, business development language. But if you okay. play someone who really looks like you know they know what they're doing, which is what I'm always trying to play as clean as possible, you'll notice that all of a sudden, like uh, again, when I played at Carnage a couple of weeks ago, one of my opponent one of my opponents says, "Can I roll my dice in your dice tray?" Like, yeah, oh, yes. cute. Yeah, Did you, you say fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, yeah, here's it, my it, psychology, bitch. No, no, <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah. no but you can buy one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and it, it definitely, I think it definitely helps you to, it definitely helps you to be taken kind of more seriously. Um, so yep. that's, I think that's massive. Uh, and get some yeah, tokens, yeah. guys, please. Tokens are great. Uh, tokens are a super important part of the clean game. You know, you can go on Sarissa Precision or one, any one of those other websites and you can buy literally like 2,000 bits of round balsa wood and you can just write on them. You don't have to spend a lot of money getting a fancy set. You know, the hobby's expensive enough as it is. However, if you want some fancy ones, there's plenty of places like your fancy ones. Yeah, I could um, do with some tokens, I think. That's how I could immediately improve my game because yeah I'm tokens will improve your game darren honestly yeah, yeah. They, they really really will i've been playing night haunt recently um i've been i've been playing with night haunt recently and they've obviously got the stacking buffs on the charge and it's just amazing to be like you know when you're making sort of 10 charges in a charge phase or well i guess if you come back to simon's Hex Ray spam list. Oh my you know, god, I swear. You know, <laughs> you know, or Alex's um uh, X ray spam list. You know, if you're making ten Thanks. or twelve charges in a in a game, but if you can just put the tokens down, it just doesn't it just keep, it takes the grey area. Was that did that one get plus one to hit or was did that one get strike? No, that one definitely got strike last. Mm. And that's a very difficult situation to resolve. And the the kind of the, uh, there's a there's a kind of almost a more um, important point here, really, which is whatever you do, right? Whatever, however planned we are, and we use our tokens and our dice trays, and we have the conversation, you're still going to fuck things up, and yeah. you know you're still going to make mistakes. I I contend that no game of Warhammer has been played mm. perfectly ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in every game of Warhammer, somebody's misunder uh, misrepresented a rule intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, you know, somebody's rolled thirty dice and they were they've not picked out one fail by mistake. You know, these things happen; they're part of mm. the game. Um, and it's really then it's in terms of I think when you're most uh, most impressive with your opponent and where you really increase your chances of winning that game is when you recognize that there's been a problem. It's how you deal with the fact that there has been a problem. Um, so I played my mate Daryl a couple of weeks ago at the club and we played a, and it doesn't help that the scenarios are changing so often at the minute and there's so many of them. Um, but we played so a, many nuances as well. Yeah, oh. there's, you know, there's so many if this, then that and you're just like, oh, fuck off. Um, but um, <laughs> how am I supposed, as a reasonably casual player with other responsibilities, how am I supposed to be competent at this? Um, but, um, you know, we played the first turn of a scenario wrong completely um, and, you know, you just, so I'm, I'm going back in the book and, and he's playing his turn two and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, fuck, Daryl, we've made a mistake here. And it's, it's, how you, it's how you deal with that problem once there is a problem. Um, and, you, you know, I think that I'm a, my personality type is a social diplomat. You know, there's no, no surprise there considering what we're talking about. But, you know, what's really important with you, like a, a phrase that I find super useful is, You've made a mistake, or your opponent, even when your opponent's made a mistake, right? And you get, you've both realized, and even it, it can be big and important, right? It can be, it can be game affecting. And I will always say to my opponent, okay, 
how can we together resolve this gracefully? Mm. Yeah, and it's an ama- that's an amazing um, phrase to have in your vocabulary at the table. How can we together resolve this gracefully? And then when you get to that graceful resolution, and nobody, nobody will not gracefully resolve with you once you've said that. Everybody will work <laughs> with you, right? And once you've got to that resolution, you say, thank you very much for helping me resolve that. It, oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Like that yeah. cool it's, a, it's a great way of managing conflict, uh, or it's a great way of or de-escalating mm-hmm. an escalating situation. I think um, with regards to, like, to expand on the point that you made that, you know, people um, misinterpret rules, um, it, it comes down to perspective. Um, we need to understand that we are all wired differently. So we all make, you know, we all... We all make our own realities at the end of the day. Sometimes as well, when you're rolling dice, your brain's hardwired to see what it wants to. So sometimes I've been in loads of situations where I've gone, hang on, that was a four. And I've gone, no, it was a three. And I reckon I 100% saw a four and my opponent 100% saw a three. (laughs) So when you're in those very difficult situations where you both are right in your reality, how you resolve those is is can can be quite challenging um and i think if you get to a point where because you're talking very much about sort of ideal situations there joe sometimes you're playing a bugger and they aren't going to want to resolve it gracefully with you they're going to want to be right you know um so it's how you handle yourself in that regard as well you've got to be i i don't think it's non-sporting to be firm with someone you know, and argue your corner. I don't think that's unsporting whatsoever. It is not unsporting, Darren. Yeah. Um, and uh, what it is, is it's showing ownership and respect of the situation. Yes. Um, and if you're going to show ownership and respect to the situation, I think that's, that, that is almost the definition of, it's my definition almost of what sporting behavior yeah. is, is yeah. ownership and respect. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, it's not, this is the point I was making at the start, really, which is particularly some of my more hardcore Warhammer playing friends at the very sharp end. You know, there's no, I don't think there's any more intense situation than, you know, the Worlds, for instance. You know, uh, Worlds is, there's a lot of pressure on Worlds. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure, particularly on the England teams that we pick um, because, you know, they're winning it repeatedly and the expectation of us as selectors is that they're going to, we're going to select a team that's going to win it again. Um, and, you know, those, those situations are very high pressure. Um, and, you know, it, it, you, you, you have to be firm in those situations. You know, there's nothing wrong with being firm. Um, it's definitely not about being soft. You know, sports is not about being soft. It's not about letting your opponent get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about showing ownership and respect of the situation. Yeah, yeah, and it, it always, I mean, lots of the themes seem coming back about this communication, right? It just seems to be so important having a, a dialogue kind of pre-game and with, with your opponent. And um, that, that sort of leads a nice segue into lots of the questions, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so <laughs> I think, unless, Owen, did you have any more comments about it before we get dive into some of these questions? Um. I'm just listening. It's great. Um, I would say one thing that I quite like is the term, you know, favorites, best, best sports. I, I prefer in tournament settings, I prefer favorite opponent because that tends to go to the sorts of things that both, you know, that everyone's been saying in terms of like, 
your favorite opponent isn't going to be the one that's got like, you know, a themed outfit on and is really zany and well, they might be, but from my point of view, it's not going to be the person that buys you loads of drinks and, you know, shouts wire all the time. It'll be the person who tests you like on the table is really clean with all the way that they play the game. Like I really like from a, you know, a, a tournament point of view, I really like the idea of favorite opponent because more often than not, I'll give it, to the person that I've, you know, it'll be the game that I've enjoyed because it's been really tough, but also really clean and really consistent. And with that respect, and I don't know, you, I remember playing a game recently in America and just much like how um, Joe was talking about his game with Kieran. Um, I had a game with a chap called Sam. I think you might've played him actually, Darren, Sam Gould. And with oh, him, yes, like- yeah. At the yeah. first, um, at the ETC in Serbia. Yeah. I didn't play, no, sorry, I didn't play him. I drank with him. And he was <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and um, yeah, just within 15 minutes, we both were just looking at each other, smiling, going, yeah, like we both respect the fact that we know that we can both play. We're both doing things really clean. And like, there was just this kind of, we didn't even say any words. We just like smiled at each other. And then about an hour in, I was like, are you having a good time? And he was like, yeah, I'm having an amazing time. And like, I think that, really going all the way back to Joe's point, like there isn't, um, there isn't a sort of a, 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 how would I characterize this? There's not like you can, you can be very competitive. Yeah. You can be very competitive, but be a fantastic opponent at the same time. Um, I, I don't think that they're diametrically opposed, like much like how people talk about casual gamers or competitive gamers or narrative gamers or whatever. You can play really tough, play nails lists, which are really, you know, Quite, can be quite hard for your opponent to play against, but you can still do it in the right way. Be the player you want to play in the world. Yeah. Life's a mirror. That's what I say. That's what I've got on my day. <laughs> oh, thank God, because I'm gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you always, you always you reflect. People, you know, you always get back what you give out. So, you know, if if you're having a lot of crap times and crap experiences with, with opponents, then that's the time to maybe have a bit of self-reflection about the way I that think you there's are. A, there's, a, there's an interesting point here, Owen, which is um, uh, winning in a sporting manner as well. Mm. Um, you know, because in that in that round one draw, you know, when you're drawn against somebody whose first tournament it is, and I had this experience, I've, I tell this story way too often, um, but it's a great, it was greatly formative for me. In 2015, I went to my first ever tournament, and in my first ever tournament game, I played Steve Follows. Um, <laughs> and Steve, Steve took me off in 25 minutes, um, but Steve was and, and remains today one of the cleanest players you're ever going to play. Mm. Um, and it, it really, it really taught me so much about how I wanted to play Warhammer. And, you know, we're in a situation, guys, where, you know, it, we want more people to come to tournaments, right? We all love Tournament Warhammer. Tournament Warhammer is literally one of the best things that I do. It's one of the best things I do with my life. Um, and we want, we want new players. Our Tournament Warhammer dies without new players. Um, we, and we're in a, we're really fortunate that our game is expanding so rapidly at the minute. Um, you know, it's in such a growth phase, I think. But still, you know, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to you know go from your local gaming group or out of your local GW store or whatever, or playing on TTS. It takes a lot of confidence, I think, for somebody to step out of that and buy a ticket and drive to a city they're not familiar with and perhaps on their own and they're going to be in a room with 99 other people that they don't know, you know, and then 
what what I want is is I want that player whether whether you've smashed them twenty nil or not they need to have for me they need to have had a great experience um, and I think it's kind of incumbent on all of us to do that and you know there's there's really easy ways to do that you know for instance um, I was playing at, at Carnage a couple of weeks ago I played a new guy I'd never met before he was the guy with uh, the Lumineth and in his first I had a I only had one wizard um, and in his first turn he killed my one wizard and he said to me is that um, you haven't got any more um, dispels now have you and I said no and he goes that's very bad for you and you know and it's <laughs> and, and, and it's but he said it with a smile on his face and you know we both knew that we both knew that actually it wasn't very bad for me because you know there's basically fuck all point having unbinds against lumineth anyway they've got mm. so much plus to cast floating round um but you know it's the way that you you can you know the, there's nothing kind of worse than uh you know um when your opponent rolls the double six there's nothing worse for me than when they say sorry yeah, I'm like, yeah. please. And, and yeah, I, didn't, did, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean <laughs> to do off. that. You know, yeah. You know, when they roll the double six, how I want to react is that is awesome. <laughs> you know, that is that is so amazing for you, and that's cool. You know, I don't. I just don't want to. I don't want somebody to be like, oh, I rolled double six. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's I was about, about to say, was that kind of player you were playing, um, Jack Armstrong, Benny? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. A, on that story, it reminded me, I was Adam Mumford's first opponent in, at his first tournament, oh, nice. and I lost one model. <laughs> <laughs> so <I> like, <laughs> it wasn't Archeon, was it? <laughs> no, it was, it was a Nurgle Marauder, and uh, I like to think that that gave him the motivation to become the killer that he is today. <laughs> I think um really like the points you made there, Joe, and you reminded me of somebody who, you know, on the scene, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on him because he's a fantastic sport and he's the kind of person that if anybody played him a tournament first game, they, they would be in. But you're right, it is incumbent on, you know, you know, people who play a lot of tournaments to to give that excellent experience and not just be somebody who, you know, it, it would be very easy to, patronize somebody like through a game or like try and give them tips or something too much but more just like setting a standard for like good sportsmanship having fun celebrating their crazy moments and not being too you know not being salty about your own bad moments and it it, you made me think of a guy on the scene who recently i think he got one of the only five o's with gloom spike gits and i don't know if anyone's played him or, or come across him but dom. i must shout out a chap called dom dominic stonebridge um he wishes you luck and fist pumps you before every prior roll he's like best of luck mate like and like it initially it was a bit unnerving and i was like but now i i just love it and anytime anyone comes off playing dom he's like he's such a great ambassador for the game and like if he's so hench as well isn't he he's, he's incredibly hench yeah, yeah he's he's just a really nice man and, and somebody who is does set a really good standard for warhammer tournaments You've, and picks um, up and uh, i've not i've not played dom but i'm looking forward to it because you're, you're actually the second person that's mentioned him to me in this context so um, oh really yeah i've heard he's a i've heard he's a re- great player um, and uh, a really great, a really great sport, or plays in the right way, which is a phrase that I would prefer, to be honest. But you can't really have a plays in the right way trophy. I know what you're saying. Um, I quite <laughs> like, um, I, I quite like cleanest gamer. Yeah, cleanest gamer yeah. works for me. And I, I like the fact that this conversation has come up because that is also one of another questions regarding um, 
kind of how you react to things and what the what the intersection between uh, sportsmanship and the dark arts, as we discussed last week. And that, there, there's a question about this. So um, come on, come on, Alex, can... you're dying to answer something. You are, you're dying yeah, to ask. There some are questions. so many come questions. On, this podcast might go on for like six hours. So <laughs> let's go. Let's let, let's go. I'm ready. Let's hit the questions. Right. First question from Richard Baker. He's at underscore Richard Baker says, um, how much, and this is kind of what we were talking about a second ago, but how much should you discuss your army and how it works pre-game? This is in a tournament, obviously. Should it be up to your opponent to know uh, how, how everything works in the army? Or do you, or should you, go through just basics like threat ranges, etc.? You should answer any direct question. I think you should yeah. answer any you should answer any direct question honestly. Um I don't necessarily think it's I don't think it's incumbent on you to kind of explain all of your buffs or all of your combos. Um but so for instance um if you uh you know pre-game if you run through the list um I think it would always be good to ask, say to your opponent once you'd run through your list um is there anything else you'd like to know? Um that's that's a really good question. Um I think that, you know, if we're talking about some kind of killer combo that's baked into your list, then guys, your opponent already knows it. You know, we're all playing net lists anyway. Um, everybody knows how every other list works. Um, <laughs> it, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I think if you, you should answer any direct question. Um, I don't necessarily think that you should need to explain to the nth degree how everything works in your army. Um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, if you're asked, you should give an honest answer. I think you should go through through your list, even if you think you know everything about your opponent's list. And you don't have to go through it in, you know, you know, minute detail. But it's important to cover the, the main points. And that this, even if you think you know, even if you use that list or you've used that that um, faction before, it's still important to re-go over it. So you make sure that you both have the same understanding of the rules. Oh, so if there's, if the there's game, anything, yeah, absolutely, Darren. If there's anything with any level of interpretation, right, or yes. anything, if there's an FAQ or a house rule that affects your army in the tournament, I do yes. think it's incumbent on you to tell your opponent. So you check, you check your understanding so it doesn't come up mid-game. Exactly. You know, oh, I'm going to do this. No, you can't. Well, hang on. <laughs> and then again, then it comes down to a battle of wills where you can iron that out in that in that first in that first conversation or something you know for instance if i was playing a list that if i was playing a skaven list with lots of weapons teams which is a popular and powerful list right now right i think i would say to my opponent when i was reading out my list do you understand how skaven weapon teams work Mm -hmm. yes Um, yeah 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 Yeah, because that's quite a niche if you're not a skaven player you probably never read that before (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, I, play, I played a little for a, with a little for a little while. I played with Gotrek in a list, uh, and I would always say to my opponent, "Do you understand how Gotrek works?" Because he's going to fuck you up. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I've gone certainly with the list I'm playing at the moment. I've gone from being, I think, too overly thorough. I think if you read out the whole list, if you go through the whole list, a t- round times are quite tight now, and you know you 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 don't want to just be there running through every minutiae but similarly um i think you can bombard your opponent a bit too much with too much information so i tend to go you know have you played against stormcast before you know go through like he's the general this does this and then i just give it an i i tend to sum up what kind of archetype it is i'm like okay yeah 
I'm kind of a castle build. These are my power pieces. This is really fast. He's really good at magic. You know, these are my ranges. Um, and like, much like I'll be like, have you got, you know, have you got any more questions? Also stepping back a tiny bit. And I think it's quite important at the moment until GW pull their fucking finger out. I always say, how do you want to play the terrain? The terrain needs to be part of your pre-game conversation. Yes, yeah, 100%. Uh, would it be helpful if I just did a little bit of my pre-game conversation? Because <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it's, pretty, it's yeah. pretty formulaic. Uh, my pre-game conversation, and this is generally after, you know, hi, I'm Joe, what are you playing? And, and we've run through each other's lists. My, my pre-game conversation goes, look, we've not played each other before, and I just want to set the expectations about how I'm going to play the game and make sure that they gel with how you're going to play the game. So, And then I'll do my little dice tray speech, uh, and I'll talk about my tokens. Um, and then I'll say, so and, and in terms of take-backs, what's your expectation? And most of the time, your opponent's going to say, well, look, I don't mind a take-back as long as they're not in extreme circumstances. And you're like, yeah, of course, that's absolutely fine. Or they're going to say, I don't want, I don't want any take-backs. You're like, okay, so now we can have a, either have a discussion about that or not. Um, so I just think it's really kind of chatty and, and casual. And then also, once you've kind of had the take-backs conversation, which I think is really important, um, I would say, how do you want to handle the terrain? Do you want to handle the terrain um, as mystical terrain? Or would you just want to talk it through? Let's decide what's impossible or line of sight blocking, what's garrisonable. And it just means that we're removing those feel-bads from later in the game. Mm. Yeah, and that actually yeah, links yeah. into going down. I was just going to say, I also explain my threat ranges as well. Like, I think that's super important because if you just suddenly, you can just take someone off if they deploy really badly. And going back to like, if it's their first tournament or if they're inexperienced, that's a real feel bad, you know, if you just suddenly take off all their toys. Mm. And it signals to, if you see someone that's de- deploying in your threat range, you instantly feel like, oh, I've got this game, you know, so I can afford to to, to give this kindness. Whereas if I'm if I'm playing for the tournament and I'm playing Jack Armstrong and Jack Armstrong misses it, because I know Jack's on the same level as me in so much as he wouldn't tell me, and I'm sure he, he wouldn't mind the fact that I wouldn't tell him, you know, but that's because I know him, right? I, so I actually it's... wanted to ask both of you about this, um, uh, Owen and Darren, because... Uh, obviously i've you know i've not played at the very the very top end of you know i've I've not played for my country for instance and Mm. i would i would imagine that this conversation is substantially different if we're playing you know at the gt in this country or if we're playing in a in a world's game uh or a or maybe a six nations game you know is the i i would imagine that the expectation from your opponent is they'll show you the list and you're expected to understand how it works, right? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's quite, Is quite it common at the top end yeah. to make sure. Well, because because that's what I do. I thoroughly, I, if I'm playing someone for the first time and I know they're a killer, you know, I check their understanding of as much as I possibly can. Oh, so you actually do more, Darren? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you do, you do more rather than I would go the I would go not the other way per se, but... Certainly one of the new players who played at the Six Nations for the Welsh team the weekend just gone, you know, very, very tight. When you're on the clock, time is really important. And, you know, we've all got the lists in advance. There's a certain amount of list analysis. So they lost like 20 minutes at the start of the game talking through the lists. And the the feedback from the team was, no, no, no. You know, you just play the game. You just go, okay, you know the list? Cool, let's go. So I think you can be flexible on it. But generally... 
um, from my experience, I would say at Worlds, you kind of go, okay, you're playing this variation of Sylvaneth, cool. So he's the guy that can do the spell singer. Okay, great. Blah, blah, blah. Yep, I know. Let's go. Like, I think so- I know what questions to ask, though. So it doesn't take quite so much time. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I just, and I, yeah, uh, just a slight counterpoint to what you said. I yeah, think yeah. You, you don't want a gotcha in any scenario, but. Yeah, that's, I um, think sometimes as a more able player, sometimes your opponent, especially what we've talked about, if you're behaving quite correctly, your opponent will want to behave quite correctly to you. And mm-hmm. that can lead to a situation where they're explaining a list to you that you know how it works. Um, and I don't think there's absolutely anything wrong in that situation with saying, thanks for trying to explain to me. I fully understand how this list works. And actually, if I make any mistakes because I've not let you talk me through it, then that's on me. So let's just get on and play the game. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, making that last point that it's on you is super important, so your opponent doesn't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then you've got to you've got to behave. You've got to um, you've got to eat your own dog food, Darren. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When you make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> one, one last thing, Alex. I know you want to keep us moving. Um, I would say it's gone away a little bit, but I really like printed lists. Players, please bring a printed list. You can sit there and look at when your opponent's playing. Yes. Um, in, in the advent of apps and BCP and stuff. I really like still having a printed list. I'm not sure how everyone else feels about that. Um, I heard Sam Morgan talking on your podcast saying the first thing he does when he comes to a table against a new opponent is he gets on Waharpedia and pulls up their faction in Warpedia, uh, and then also takes their list and starts reading it. And obviously that suits Sam's gaming style. Um, mm. But I think that that's a, that's a really powerful thing, actually, Owen. If you've given your opponent a copy of the list, if you've, if you've received a copy of your opponent's list, which I love it from a sporting point of view, it's total clarity. Mm. Um, yeah. Then, you know, I think, I, 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 yeah, I'm totally with you. Right, what's the next question, Alex? <laughs> um, no, it's all it's all it's all good stuff. I'm just sitting here and just admiring this whole conversation. It's great. Um, just before I go to the next one, um, Darren, the crux of the question was kind of about threat ranges and stuff. I know you just mentioned you talk about threat ranges. Do you go as far as explaining? I guess I guess you've already answered this. It kind of depends who you're playing against. But uh, do you go as far as to explain about I can teleport? here and therefore i'll be this far away etc cetera, etc cetera, because that's sort of getting towards revealing game plans isn't it or is it not I quite that far it's probably you know i it's probably a case by case situation isn't it yeah um and it, it, it could very well it could very much be how personally because i can only speak from my perspective in this regard but how i'm feeling on the day um sometimes i could be bloody knackered because i've not slept the night before and I, it's the sort of thing that i could easily forget but in an ideal world i'd like my opponent when i go into the deployment phase because it's my favorite phase i would like them to deploy as optimally as possible against me so that i can practice my skill and I get a great deal of satisfaction if my opponents have got every bit of information and I still sort of overcome them, then I can take the most amount of satisfaction from that from that game. Um, but yeah, it, w- it will be a case-by-case situation. That's if I such, feel someone's such a, healthy very inex- mi- such a healthy mindset, Darren, it's amazing. You know, oh. uh, uh, you kind of, you, when you quantify it as, I want to win because I'm better than you. I don't want to win because you made a mistake. Yes. You know, that is... That you know, and, and when you link it to the direct satisfaction, that's an amazing way to describe the way that you play Warhammer and credit to you. But well, I don't always achieve it. None of us, <laughs> like none, say, none of us do always is an unrealistic <laughs> expectation, my friend. Yes, yeah, very true. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, great. Awesome. 
Uh, right, the next question was from uh, Tom Paz. And we again, we sort of just discussed a little bit about this, but he, he asks, where do you draw the line with take backs, etc.? You want your opponent to enjoy the game, but you also don't want to point out how to beat you. So where do we draw uh, you, the line? You, you draw the line with take backs to whatever line you agreed in your pregame conversation. Yes. Yeah, yeah great answer. Yeah. yeah, I thought that that's kind of what we uh, we kind of mentioned slightly already, didn't we? So um, here's one from uh, Dayton. So shout out to the party at the All Points, guys. Thank you very much. Always, uh, always commenting and putting stupid videos. I have got my challenge video ready for you punks, so it's coming out soon. Um, but Dayton... Uh, says difficulty of being a good sport when there's a language barrier. So obviously there's a lot of um, you know oh, international tournaments now and mm-hmm. and worlds and Six Nations etc cetera, etc. Cetera. How how do you find or do you do anything different when there's a language barrier and how have you found it? I guess from worlds last time. I, I guess we start with Owen this time. Owen, what do you think language barriers? Um, I think as somebody who always gets on with waiters and waitresses wherever I go on holiday. <laughs> You well, that's true. You can get away, not get away. You can say so much um, without using words. Um, so I would say that, um, yeah. I mean, we all are also really lucky that everyone most often speaks English. So you know, I think in it was one of the conditions of being on the world's teams was that you had a reasonable grasp of of um, of English to get onto those teams because the whole so lucky, aren't we? We are very lucky. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I've never found it to be a problem, um, language barriers, um, because you can, as I say, you can, you know, I have actually seen, I'm pretty sure that one of the streams, one of the tournaments that, uh, Rob Symes streamed for the Honest Wargamer, there was, uh, I think it was Quigslundtan in Sweden. There was a, um, a, a, a deaf player. And they were able to, with the help of a friend, they were able to just like sign language their way through the whole game. Um, I'm pretty sure that that was um, wow. that that was a thing that happened. Um, and yeah, uh, I've I've yeah I've never had any issues with with uh, language. Probably had more issues with people that speak fluent English than anybody. That <laughs> to be honest with you, um, yeah. I will speak slower and louder. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful, Darren. That's going to work perfectly. Um, <laughs> uh, Darren, Joe, any thoughts about language barriers? I've, no, uh, no, I've got to, no experience. Uh, and Owen's right. I don't think I've really come into any real problems. Or the, the, all the people that... Oh, no, that's not true, actually. I played a 40K tournament once, and it was round five, and I was against a Spanish chap. And every time we had a rule sort of dispute, let's say... All of a sudden, he couldn't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Come on, Darren. Um, Come on, Darren. You've only just learned to speak English, mate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I struggle with that most of the time. Also, I think everyone knows what take your toys off, mate, means. So like, I've never had any problem. <laughs> no, the fucker beat me. Live it. <laughs> uh, um, no, yeah. So that's the only time I've had any sort of neg- negative experience with um, someone that, that, that doesn't speak English. Well, it's English isn't their first language. The vast majority, well, every single one of the people that um, I've played that have come, not come from the UK that speak English speak it beautifully, probably better than me. So yeah, I've not, I've not had. A, that's a difficult question to to answer because I've never had any real problems. Yeah, I think that's fair enough to say. And 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 it, it sounds like lots of the answers anywhere. I, I, again, revolve back to kind of very clear, concise. 
communication on your end and kind of work through it with the two of you. So mm. I think that's a fair enough answer. Um, and then a follow-up bit to that question, which I think, Joe, you've already been, uh, you and Dayton have been firing tweets back at each other, um, <laughs> was around if someone offered you drugs while playing, and <laughs> can you be a good sport and refuse? Yes, um, of, um, um, yes of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, yeah, Dayton, absolutely. you can refuse. Yeah, I think exactly. I think I think Dayton's point might have been the opposite to my point, um, <laughs> but uh, yes, now I have been offered drugs at a Warhammer tournament, and you deal with it by saying no, thank you, I'm okay. If that's what you want, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that, is that how you deal with it? Really interesting. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm a, no, thank you. I'm okay. Uh, Noted. I, I, however, I actually said to my I said to my opponent, no, thank you. I'm all right, but don't let that stop you. Oh, that's yeah. considerate. I think that's yeah. the ideal. Yeah, that worked for you and then. Did Absolutely. you win that game? I did. And I got a sports <laughs> and I got a sports <laughs> Well that's that love that really nicely leads on to our next question from uh, from Mark Mark Wilson. Shout out to Mark. Um, oh, who said Do you think being drunk is bad sportsmanship? Um he says in brackets, not aimed at you, Joe. End of <laughs> I'm a reformed character now. I have a wife and children. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, his question is, do you think being drunk is bad sportsmanship? I think uh, it depends. Um, I think everybody likes a drink. Uh, or, well, sorry, I think everybody who likes a drink probably has a drink at Warhammer tournaments because it's, you know, part of what we're doing is social. Um, I think if anybody's, you know, particularly messy, then, you know, if, you, if you're messy drunk, you can't really play Warhammer, can you? Yeah, you don't. you don't tend to win games. I think if you're a bad drunk as well, then you'll be a bad opponent. Um, so it depends on what sort of drunk you are. If you know that you're a bad drunk and then you intentionally get drunk and then you're a, a dick, then yeah, that's completely on you. Um, having yeah. been someone that's gone to lots of events pissed up, <laughs> I would say people that are sober probably think that you're a terrible sportsman and you being the drunk person, you think you're not. So... It's a really difficult question to answer honestly, but the, the honest answer is probably you shouldn't get drunk at a competitive event that people have paid good money for. You know, that's the um, that's the forty year old Darren speaking, not the twenty year old Darren. Yeah, speaking. but Darren, you know, <laughs> you know, mate, it's 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 your experience. I know what you're saying, but it's your experience as much as it's your opponent's experience. Yeah. You know, and if and if part of if part of your experiences is that you know, you do want to go and, and drink. So th- think about, you know, Paul Haley, for instance. Uh, the man can move alcohol like not many people I've ever seen in my life. No, he, but, he is impressive, but he's, but he's never he's never awful, is he? But he's never awful with it. Um, you yeah. know, he, you can always still play a, a good game versus Paul. Um, I think back to some of the behavior, particularly back when I first started tournaments, and there was a couple of notorious kind of clubs that would come and, you know, just drink all day. And actually what they would, more more often than not that was what they wanted to do with their weekend right so mm. if they want to do that i'm not going to try and stand in the way of that and say oh i paid 60 pound for a ticket for this um <laughs> just just, dro- just drop out basically i think if you if you if you pass the point where you can play warhammer let's face it you know if you pass the point you can play warhammer then just just drop out just speak to the to just drop out do everyone a favor <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah and that's you can always, leads on to you come back in sorry the go on joe you can always come back in the morning <laughs> Yeah, and that sort of leads on to kind of the next bit part of that is how, how do you deal with someone who is drunk in front at the table, kind of very drunk? And I think he's le- he's I think he's leaning towards so drunk that they actually can't play, but they are. 
well, then I take the twenty nil, and then I go buy my go buy a pint. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> I think that the if you're dealing with somebody very drunk at the table, it's probably the same as dealing with somebody who's very drunk um, in in the rest of your life. Um, you know, in a bar or whatever. Um, I guess there's kind of the forced interaction over the game. Um, but I think you just, just, you know, just do it with love and respect and, you know, everybody's on a journey. <laughs> if you genuinely can't play the person that, and it's not necessarily just drunk, there could be a whole different range of, uh, things, you know, when people playing, people playing tournament Warhammer have stepped outside of the rest of their life. You know, that's when you step outside of the rest of your life, that's often a trigger for, you know, complex mental shit. Um, and, um, yeah. You know, I think if you're playing someone who genuinely, or if you've been drawn against someone who genuinely isn't capable, um, I think you can have again just have a you can have a conversation with them that says, "Do you really want to do this? You know, do you want to do you want to play this game or not? Are you capable of playing this game or not?" Um, and you know, if there's any situation in which you find yourself kind of threatened, or uh, you know, if somebody who's non-compliant with that kind of conversation, that means they can't play the game, and you've got to have the honest conversation with them that says, "Well, I don't think we can play this game." How do you want to resolve that? Mm-hmm. If they yeah. can't resolve it, then you can just go to the TO because they'll very much be with you. Like I think if you're the yeah. drunk person, any any result is yeah. going against you and you need to accept that when you're sober, right? For me, uh, in going to the TO is a really interesting one because I'd like to think that I could resolve more or less any at the table um, query or friction without going to the TO. Um, mm. However, they're there for a reason. Um, and you know that part of that reason is if you really can't resolve what's happening at the table, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to the TO. You know the TO is in a position of responsibility, mm-hmm. and you know if you have somebody who's behaving in a disrespectful way to you, uh, then I would have absolutely no problem with going to the TO and saying I can't play this person. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Owen, I could hear you come come in. Did you want to make a comment? I was just going to say that generally when I play people at Warhammer, I like to make it a sobering experience. So playing against really drunk people God. is perfect for me. God, you're getting as bad as me with the titles. Okay. I'm Fantastic. just here waiting to try and put a dad joke in at any possible thanks. Yeah, thanks, I yeah, feel Owen smiling as he was saying. <laughs> me too. Thanks, ear to ear, baby. Ear to ear. Right, enough of that nonsense. Uh, next question. Um, do you do anything different if facing a player with a bad rep? We'll start with you, Owen. Um, do I do anything different? Uh, I would say that my go-to would be to try not to, because I would want to give them the opportunity to show me that, you know, I don't like listening to hearsay. You know, I would take people as they come. So, you know, I would just play it normally, but then, you know, Perhaps be slightly aware, you know, that, 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 you know, the odd interaction. Yeah, I was warned about a player in America who I played against. Um, and it was a bit of a testing game, but I decided to, you know, not, you know, not be too OTT in terms of trying to manage them. Um, and just like we've talked about through various different scenarios, you know, set the standards, set the expectations, talk about, you know, the cleanliness and the, and how clean you want to be and be like, you know, this is how I want to play the game. You know, hopefully that will mean that they, they sort of come on board. Um, but yeah, much like anything in life, I'll, I'll, I'll give people the opportunity to, you know, show that they're not, you know, what the headline says or whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> I do. I wish that was my answer, but sometimes I will go. <laughs> I'll introduce myself, and then I go. <laughs> well, I've heard about you. You're a bit of a bugger. I <laughs> 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 will. I'll tackle that head on. Uh, <laughs> that may or may not be the right way to go about it. I love that uh, answer so no, much because it is I've so got a lot you, of respect. Darren. Yeah, yeah. Frank, I know. I've got a, so a lot of respect. I got a lot of respect for that, Darren, and you're totally right. But what that is is that's you taking ownership of the situation, um, and uh, you know I think that that's I really you know commend you for commend you for doing it that way. And actually, if you can diffuse that situation with your personality, then even better. Um, it only the... works if you're actually if they are a bugger, though. That's the trouble. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Otherwise, you're just veering into Jack territory. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, there's a guy at our club who, at the, whoever he's playing at the start of every game, he'll go, oh, this is a terrible matchup for you. And it's actually really become a joke. Um, you know, you think, you just say this, don't you? You think it gives, you think it gives you one up on, on the other person, but, but it definitely doesn't. Um, I think that if you're dealing with somebody who's got a reputation, then what I would say to everyone is be your own man or woman uh, and make your own decision. Um, because do you know what? In, generally in life uh, I, I tend to find this across throughout more, more or less all of my experience it's not normally as bad as you think it's going to be yeah. um, and uh, you know you just got to be respectful that I think everybody's on a journey uh, one of the things about our kind of fractured uh, scene is that people uh, can earn a bad reputation and not know it because there's a bunch of people being whiny bitches in WhatsApp groups, um, <laughs> which, are, you know, which should all be deleted, basically. Um, and uh, I think if you can come from the ownership and responsibility uh, angle, um, then you're going to find that you're probably going to have a good game with whoever you're going to play. Um, and this kind of comes into, if you see bad behavior on the table, which I know is another one of the questions, but if you're seeing some bad behavior or if you're seeing some, cheating's a big word, right? But if you're seeing someone playing a rule wrong, call them out on it. It's cool. It's fine. You know, it, we're, we're playing in an interpretation game. You know, let just, uh, are you sure about that? Can you just, just, just explain to me how that works. But, oh, you know, your best one, really, if it really gets to it, can you just show me that in the book? You know, mm. and there's no problem with any of those questions. And if those are the kind of questions that you've got to use to manage somebody else's behavior, then I don't think any of those show a lack of respect or, um, you know, or are kind of confrontational. Um, Equally, if you're being called out, then also be respectful you know, and then explain yourself nicely. You, you don't have to instantly puff your chest out because someone's gone, I, I don't think that was six inches, you know, because you, you, can, you can make mistakes as well. Yeah, of course you and can. And if you handle it nice and calm and relaxed, then when you ask a question, hopefully they'll, they'll mirror that behaviour back to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that, that, as you say, Joe, that leads into lots of questions. So the big, the big question on everyone's lips on the Twitter feed is, is cheating. Um, so lots of questions like, uh, have you ever had players cheat against you and how do you handle it? Uh, how do you deal with cheating? Uh, I had a game with someone cheating and I couldn't, uh, I, the game couldn't finish in the correct. So lots, lots of, lots of questions about cheating, essentially. Um, and how, how do you deal with it? So I guess, Joe, if we start with you, how, how do you deal with someone if you think they are cheating? How do you handle it? Okay, sure. So this is this is obviously a um a, a difficult the answer is it depends um and, it, and it's, a, it's a this is a nuanced um this is a nuanced question um i think that 
what you probably find is is that the person that you're playing probably isn't cheating. I don't think I don't I don't think many people uh, in our scene, uh, particularly speaking from my, you know my experience of the English meta, I don't think that lots of people are turning up to cheat on purpose. Um, uh, but I think that if you see somebody doing something wrong, uh, which is just part of life, uh, then I think particularly when you're playing a game and there's kind of a social framework built around that game you know we're playing within a rule set um and the rule set is the rule set's there to facilitate two people playing a game of age of sigma um <laughs> then if they're if you're if you see your opponent getting or misplaying rules i think you just have to call it you just have to call it you know you uh-huh. just have to say i don't think that's how that works or and it doesn't or it doesn't oh that's quite confrontational you know um, I think you come back to those kind of phrases that I was saying into the last question, which is, can you just explain that interaction to me? Or, um, you know, where's that, where's that teleport from? Is that part of the allegiance ability or, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and it's just, it's just about how you're going to deal with it. And, you know, or, and then really your ultimate one is, can you show me in the book? Um, and I think that that's kind of your ultimate resource. And I think if you're asked to show somebody something in the book, then, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's something you should react negatively to either. They're just, your opponent's just wanting to establish that within the framework of the game. And, you know, it's not always, you know, if you go, uh, oh, I don't think it works like that. I think that's cheating. You know, all of a sudden these are very kind of escalating that it's escalating the situation. And I think that's something you really want to avoid. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you, you um, are in a situation where perhaps you've clarified a rule um, and then your opponent is perhaps repeatedly misplaying that rule after you've clarified, you know, if you've clarified it one way and they're repeatedly playing it another way, you know, there is going to come a point when you've got to do what I've said previously, which is you're going to have to go to your tournament organizer and you're going to have to say, look, this is what's happened and it's not acceptable. Mm. And again, I don't, but that really has got to be a last resort. Um, mm. You know, you, you've got to be able to work this out at the table with your opponent. And, um, and I do appreciate that, you know, particularly, you know, if we're talking about, you know, for instance, Warhammer shops, Warhammer stores, uh, generally a place with terrible at the table behavior. Um, so, yeah. you know, and I think it's different if you're playing down your local store or you're playing your friend, but I think if you're playing it at GT, if you're playing GT Warhammer, I think there's a really just comprehensive framework of being able to deal with somebody who isn't playing in the rules, which is to query it. If you have to ask them how to show you how to play it in the book, query with another player. If there's referees, even better, uh, you know, get get a referee over if you've got to. Um, but you just got to keep challenging bad behaviour. It's it's not you know it's 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 on you as one of the two people interacting, and that game is fifty percent your game. Yeah. It's on you to call that behavior. It's not on you to go, you know, to go in a WhatsApp group and bitch about someone, <laughs> you know. Mm. It, I think the most after, common, after, the, after the fact, yeah. I think the most common thing that I see is terrible tape measure usage and people getting an extra half inch or in some cases picking up a model and putting it and that was behind a model that they've just moved and then putting it in front of the model. That shit drives me fucking berserk. Yes, and. What what how I handle that is as soon as the very first time I see it, I will mention it. I will call it out P- politely. I'll be like, "Hang on, you know, oh, you cheeky bugger, you're getting an extra half inch there. You know, you be careful." However, you want to go about it. Yeah. But the reason you call it out immediately is if you let it slide, then that 
can signal to your opponent that it's okay to do it in the future. Or if they're just generally messy, then they'll continue to be messy throughout the game. And then it happens again and you get a bit annoyed. And then turn three, you've seen them miss move like four times and you think, fuck, right, I've had enough. And then you say something. You're going to say it with more negativity because it's not that one mistake you're now calling out. It's four mistakes you're now calling out. Your opponent's also going to think to yourself, well, hang on, you were you were okay with it happening all those other times if they're aware of it, but now they get now it's important you're being a bugger, you know. So you mm. look like you're a negative, you're being a negative arsehole that's only getting involved with this sort of interaction because the game's in the balance. So the moment the moment it happens is the moment you you, you call it out. There's, and an, then there's, there's another reason, Darren. Yeah, by being you know better with their tape measure or whatever rule that they continually getting wrong there's another reason that will play into this and it will help you win the game which is when you only call it out the third time um or the fourth time do you know when you if if you let it go do you know the point in the game you're going to call it out you're going to call it out when it becomes important yes so, exactly. that's insane. Yeah, and that's what i mean all of a sudden right you're going to call it out when oh they can just get there with it you know they've got one model within half an inch of the objective now right yeah and, that and that's going to really piss you and, off isn't and then, it yeah exactly you, you yeah. know you know you're like fucking hell they've moved like four or five inches over the last four turns more than they should have done uh you know they shouldn't they should be a mile off that objective i should control that objective i should be winning this game but because i've let it go so that's why it's important. And it's, it's super easy to do it as well, right? You know, you can do... So how I explained using combat gauges to move cleanly, you can do the yeah. same shit to your opponent, right? Like, it's super... Uh, do it, you know, just... If they measure with a tape measure, you can lean across the... T- if it's moving six inches, right? You can lean across the table and you can put your finger on the six-inch mark. That lets yeah. them take... And you know what? Most of the time, your opponent's going to say to you, they're going to take their tape measure away, they're going to move their first model to your finger, and they're going to go, thank you. Some some opponents are going to try and push your finger back a little bit. <laughs> some, some of them, some of them and definitely. I always love that. I always think, no, and my finger is firm. <laughs> there's um there's a few things in there which I really which resonate with me. Um, I don't know. I talk, I don't know if I've talked about my mum much on this podcast much, but I, my mum <laughs> my mum's got loads of little sayings that stick with me, and she always says it's not what you say, it's how you say it, and um I think that that diplomatic um, sort of tone that uh, certainly Joe, I think you, you strike and, and it's how I like to play the game. I think you can manage that early. So for anybody like in terms of movement, cause that's my big bugbear as well is um, I say to people, Oh God, how far did they, how far did they move again? Cause you know, blade guys, that seems like I always say that that seems like a big eight inches. I don't really say that to people very often, but I say like, oh, that looks a bit, a bit, a bit <laughs> I was about to say. Um, and yeah, again, often people will have like a dice next to a wounded model, or there'll be some point of reference that you can work back from. Because um, another thing that I that really gets me on the movement thing is they measure the first one really carefully, and then the rest of the, oh, the model, they yeah. just get slid along the table in a bunch afterwards. So you know, for for People, you know, players listening, you know, um, you know, please don't do that. It's really, it, it causes an unnecessary, and because we don't want friction, but you're right. You have to nip it in the bud early. Um, and another thing on tape measures, and I normally do it and it's to the, it's to my detriment, but people hovering a tape measure like 12 inches above trying to measure, I'm like, you're doing yourself out of movement here. I'm like, if you put your tape measure flat on the table or you buy some sticks 
um, you you'll often get more movement out of you know you'll get better more accurate movement but generally people cheat themselves when they when they use tape measures you're totally right yeah yeah i think there's a couple of gaming there's a couple of quality of life gaming accessories there one of them is the moving sticks another one in terms of the movement you've just talked about owen when everything bunched up is some movement trays there's some really great movement trays very inexpensive on the market now and if you're going to be moving 30 blade guys it's much easier to move six blobs of five blade guys accurately than it is trying to move 30 individual models especially when they all kind of the swords stick through the cape of the one next to it and you know if you can that's that's a really good way to do it i want to explain another thing you can do with movement um just to make it really clean i've talked you talked there about measuring the front model say we're moving 30 blade guys right um and they move eight inches i believe um you put that you put your nine inch measuring stick down from the front one you know the direction you're going in if i leave a combat gauge or whatever so that's the furthest point i can move and then i actually do it from the back one as well so yes. you do it from the one at the front of the blob, and then I do it from the one at the back of the blob, and now I've got a space that's eight inches in front of the back one, and it's eight inches in front of the front one, and I'll say to my opponent, Blade guys move eight inches. So what is my intention now is to pick up this blob of models that haven't moved, and I'm going to put them in between those two measuring sticks. Is that acceptable to you? Yeah. And they'll just yeah. say, yes. The other one is, right, super simple. Measure the charges before you do the moves. Um, so if we've got, if we've got two units that are 20 inches apart and you measure that 20 inches and you know, you've got an eight inch move, there's no argument. It's a 12 inch charge. Yeah. Yeah. before before you move if you're gonna charge just and you know you can't do it every turn you can't do it every time particularly with things like redeploy because sometimes but if there's if there's no risk i was to about you, to say that to you Joe. Yeah. yeah what 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 about with redeploy being in the yeah, game totally. yeah totally i mean you're gonna you're gonna have to at that point you're gonna have to use your judgment right um but actually maybe you could actually use it to maybe you could actually use that to your advantage maybe you could bait a redeploy if you wanted to uh you know you could you could bait a redeploy that if you wanted to stop somebody redeploying in one area, um, then uh, if you can force them to redeploy in another area by measuring some charges that they don't want to take, that's probably a pretty good way to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, uh, yeah, I think that the you know if you want to measure if you know you're charging, measure those charges out before you move. And actually, what I've started to do is once I've measured the charge, say it is a ten, I've actually started to leave. A 10 on the dice next to that unit mm-hmm. you know so i'll put a six and a four next to that unit and when it comes time to the charge phase we've already pre-measured we know it's a 10 nobody's like oh it's a nine and a half you know it's not did anyone we, catch we pre-measured that? it did anyone catch owen just go mm, yes yeah, nice i've just <laughs> been listening to joe talk and i'm like man i really want to play yeah it's just about like you talked about a lot joe really isn't it that that, that everything's clean and there's no there's yeah. no room for that friction to occur because you've all you've almost you've almost hit it before it's got to the friction point yeah you, exactly you've kind of circumvented it already because you've sorted it so when Owen's when Owen's talking about you know his opponent you know you can go back to some piece of terrain or a marker. My aim is to that you can then remeasure from. My aim is to actually not let my opponent have done that in the first place. My aim is to have established where they move to before they've moved a model because there's just less gray area. Hmm. Like it's not going to happen every time, but you know that's that is my my ambition um, is to not have to go back and fix something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. I think, um, Alex, sorry, really quickly, the, 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 the main sort of brunt of the question was around the word cheating. And, and again, Joe touched on this earlier, but I don't think yeah. 
I don't think many people cheat at all. I don't think I've, I don't, maybe I was a bit green behind the ears or whatever, or whatever you say, wet behind the ears, green behind the gills, something like that, whatever. Maybe I was a bit inexperienced, but I don't, early on, I didn't notice it, but I don't see anybody cheating against me now, but people misplay rules all the time. And that's yes. down to quite a lot of people. Like I was playing a guy and recently, and he was pretty experienced and he was adamant that, mystic shield wasn't wholly within 12 and it's just because of the way that um gw write a lot of their rules now they're like choose a unit um you know a friendly unit um within range uh, and then later on they'll clarify that it's wholly within or something so anyway i don't i really don't like the word cheating i don't think there is much cheating that goes on in the game at all i just think that it's a super complex game and you can't know everything and people are tired and you make mistakes and and I think, again, that goes to the idea of, you know, having those open conversations and, you know, not being like, you wouldn't point across the table and be like, you're cheating. You would just be like, oh, sorry, man. I really don't think that that, you, that model's in range for Mystic Shield. And he's like, oh, yeah, look, it's just within 12. Like, no, no, it has to be wholly within. Oh, I didn't realize. And then, yeah, you're, you know, you you all learn as you go through. Like, I make mistakes and, you know, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that that model could do that or I didn't realize that my unit had that restriction. So take it as a learning thing if somebody calls you out on the other yeah, totally. thing, not, so, not a negative. I can never remember. The, the, this piece of information will just not enter my head. I can't remember whether Mystic Shield casts on a 5 or a 6, and I can't remember whether Arcane Bolt casts on a 5 or a 6. It just won't go in my head. And I know that, and so I'll either ask my opponent when I'm coming to roll it, or the other thing is no problem. You know, if you've got a rules interaction that maybe you're not, I say this in almost every game I play, I'm just going to check my book to make sure I'm not cheating. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, I just think it, it's just a healthier kind of ma- mindset to be in. And I totally agree with you. I don't think we have many outright cheats uh, in our um, uh, in our community here in the UK, which is what my, ex- my, 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 my experience is of UK Warhammer. Uh, yeah. I don't think we have many outright cheats. Um, and, and it's about having that conversation about what's going on if you do feel that something untoward is going on. And, yeah, absolutely. And Just take ownership of the situation. Side note for you, mate. Um, GW recognized your confusion. I don't know if it was specifically you, but Mystic Shield and Arcane Bolt are both on a five now. Very good, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, I didn't know right, that happy days. Right. Uh, there was a bit about why don't you think people call out cheating more, but I think we've sort of answered that really. Lack, with the, lack, with of, confidence. Kind of, lack of confidence, yeah. 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 And, and and as we said, to state it's actually important to have these conversations because yes. otherwise you, you hit those friction moments. So, yeah, yeah really nice. Um, we had a question about, is there a line where good sportsmanship and dark arts meet? I think we sort of mentioned that when you, you talked about your story about someone kind of getting rid of the wizard, right? That's, that's sort yeah, totally. of a line there. Yeah, yeah, kind of- absolutely. No, there, there definitely is. And uh, that's almost my point, which is, um, where sports and dark arts meet, I think, is where you will increase your win rate. I yeah. can tell you a journey that I went on with this regard, if you'll entertain me for the next Please. 15 minutes. No, no, it won't be 15 minutes. It'll be very brief. Um, so in the in the lead-up to Worlds, I went to a uh, tournament in Liverpool. Um, uh, with JP. JP asked me to stand in for his team, um, and I saw it as an opportunity to... Uh, get a bit better with my Seraphon. And I played um, Mark Brooks and I put myself under a lot of pressure because um, obviously I wanted to put, 
I was expected to perform. I was the Seraphon player. I was gearing up for Worlds. Um, and Mark just rolled possibly, I think in my head, I remember it as the best I've ever seen. But that's not the case. That's just making me feel a bit better about me being an arse. But basically, I was an arsehole to, to Mark. I was a terrible sport. Rather than, but I hadn't had lots of slip. I'm, I'm, I'm making excuses now. But, you know, the truth is I wasn't, I wasn't at my best. Um, and like Mark... Uh, hero phase I, he made loads of five plus saves for his nurgle i was strutting up and down i was getting really fucking annoyed i fell on the floor when i finally killed something and i don't <laughs> think i gave mark the game that he deserved because he was an absolute love um so then at worlds si- me and simon got to play and si- <laughs> simon having uh, having a conversation with mark afterwards mark probably told him that i was a right arsehole um and he'd be right to do so um, so during our game at Worlds, every time Simon rolled well, <laughs> he was like, look at that Welsh dice. i got another six there. And he's intentionally trying to get into my head. Now, I was in a much better space at this point in time. <laughs> and I was enjoying myself and I was having a great day. Um, and um, I recognised instantly that Simon was trying to get into my head to give himself some sort of benefit in the game, you know. But I don't mind that at all whatsoever because he's punishing me for me being a dick um, previously. So I completely deserved it. He also, we're at the main big event and this is a competitive, you know, this is, it doesn't get any more competitive than this. And he's leveraging every bit of bit that he gets. I'm in a matchup, which is really, really in my favor. I'm Seraphon. I'm in the scenario where all I've got to do is move into the middle you know the one that started on the edges and it moves whatever that used to be called the vice yes thank you and he's using his uh his demon army which you know i'm 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 very good into because all i've got to do is walk my my um bastilodons into the middle and just sit there for, for five turns which is how the game sort of sort of developed but as soon as Simon sort of realised that it wasn't having an effect, we then sort of relaxed into the game when we could joke about it. And we had a really nice game. Well, I hope, hopefully, I mean, I had a fantastic game with Simon. So I enjoyed the fact that he'd tried to get into my head psychologically. Also, if it had worked and it had triggered me, that had completely been on me and not him. <laughs> you know, so I could... I'm sure at the time, if it had annoyed me, I'd have felt awfully about it. But if I'd have reflected on it later, I'd have respected it. And me and Simon have since discussed, you know, that that interaction and, and how it went. Um, and we very much enjoyed, well, I think, I'm not speaking for him here, but I think we very much in, sort of enjoyed that game. It was certainly one of my favourite games at Worlds. and But that's because we understood each other. You know, you can different people can um, play the game and understand it and enjoy it in different ways. So what's necessarily dark arts for some people might be really a a really enjoyable aspect of the game because we were both on the same sort of level. And because of how, you know, I basically deserved him to come at me in that way. Um, And I'm going to try if I ever play Mark Brooks again, I'll certainly be trying to be a much better person. So a public apology to Mark for being an arsehole. Um, (laughs) And, you know, the, the, um, that's for me, that's where the fight, you know, there's a fine line between sportsmanship and dark arts. You know, it absolutely, Simon absolutely came at me with everything he had at his disposal, you know, and I thoroughly enjoyed that game because of it. Yeah. And so and it's basically kind of comes down to, as you say, depends on, depends on the situation, right? Lots of this is, is there's no black or white for a lot of these. It's very gray. 
Um, yeah. And so, um, and obviously shout out to Jack after getting lots of uh, comments about after our last episode, him talking about him convincing someone out of a win. So I think that's probably where that question comes from. So um, <laughs> thanks for talking about that. Cause I think that's actually quite helpful to have, to get that sort of discussion going, which is what we're here. It doesn't look great, does it? But it's honest. It's what happens. So. I think it's important <laughs> to just talk about expectations there, Darren, because uh, and in general about this, you know, I've done plenty of bad behavior at the table, right? I'm, I'm here preaching like super sportsmanship and super clean gaming. Uh, and, you know, I've over my time playing Warhammer, I've done plenty of bad behavior. It's an unreasonable expectation that I'm going to play every game super clean and I'm going to be, uh, you know, a super great opponent, and it's all going to be fun and holistic, and you know, all kind of happy, and everything is resolved perfectly. You know, that, that's just simply an unreasonable expectation. So we just got to be careful about managing expectations, particularly for people who perhaps haven't played a lot of tournament Warhammer or are thinking about playing tournament Warhammer. If you are thinking about playing War- tournament Warhammer, just book a ticket. Won't be, be mm. one of the be-, be one of the best things you ever do. But just to talk about kind of setting expectations it's not going to be perfect all the time and that's okay yeah 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 thank you perfect (laughs) yeah um uh one one last serious question then one kind of jokey question for you so we'll (laughs) we'll start with a serious one um i think you may have answered some of this on twitter joe but it's about um well i think the way the question is phrased makes it sound more intentional but i think this can be unintentional and this is about slow play so the question is how do you handle your opponent slow playing you but I might add to that and say, uh, how about unintentionally playing slowly as well? Because slow play was quite a big, uh, kind of big topic, I guess, a few months ago. But also with the kind of, the kind of clocks thing coming in, it's all the same, same sort of question. So, um, intentional or, or unintentional uh, slow play, Joe? Yeah, no problem. So this comes back to the idea that fifty percent of that game is yours, and I'm not. I don't mean fifty percent of the time. I mean fifty percent of the experience is your experience. And 50% of the experience is your opponent's experience. Um, And what it really is, is it's on you to take ownership of the situation. If your opponent is playing slow, tell them. Tell them. You know, it's easy. You know, if we've, uh, you know, if you, if you're, um, you know, say it's taken 40 minutes to get deployment done, right? Sometimes that happens, you know, if we're playing like a Soulblight, Gravelord, Zombie Horde versus, I don't know, loads of Moonclan Grots or something like, deployment is going to take 40 minutes, but I think it's on you to tell your opponent, like, look, we've spent 40 minutes deploying here, like, we're really going to have to crack on. You know, it's... Uh, and I think it's just managing it continually through the game. You know, if your opponent's taking a long time thinking about something or looking it up in the book. So, for instance, here's something you can do really easily to speed something up, right? If I don't know, if I'm in the if I'm in the law of if I'm if I'm in the spell law and I'm casting a spell I don't know very often, you know, I don't need to know. I don't need to look up whether it's a six or a seven. I can roll the dice. If it's a twelve, it's cast anyway, right? I don't, you know, so, but if I roll a six, then I'm going to have a look up. I'm going to, I'm going to look it up to see if it's a six or a seven. But I think mm-hmm. you can do some of these kind of a, com- and you can bring that into your opponent as well. You can say if they're, you know, in that same situation, just roll the dice. If it, you know, if you, if you roll a 10, it don't matter, does it? Whether it's a six or a seven, there's loads of things that you can do to just hurry them along, um, help them move their models if you want. Do you want me to do that for you? Um, you know, or when it comes to rolling dice or getting dice ready, you know, um, uh, when I played uh, Kieran, uh, he was running a reverse spam list. He's, he's rolling 120 shots a turn or something. Um, and, you know, and I'm just help. you just help him, you know, count his dice into tens. 
before he's as he's rolling. You know, there's loads that you can do to keep the game moving, and it's just about ownership. The worst thing you can do is sit there stewing that your opponent's playing slowly. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Help them along. I, I one thing I quite like doing is. Um, because I'm quite conscious and you know trust your instincts it's like a feel you know if you feel that even in the early part of the game you're a bit like you know bro this is a 20 minute hero phase we should move a bit but then later in the game say for example you know turn four prio and you look and you've got 20 minutes then I always like to be like okay we're going to get through this we'll play five turns but we need each of us we've got 20 minutes that's four five minute turns I'm going to roll your dice you're going to roll my dice Let's rush through those little tips. Like Joe says, you know, getting your piles of dice out in tens. Often when I'm watching somebody like roll out some combat or some shooting, you know, again, it goes to the fact that we, we play a lot of Warhammer, but like if they're doing like, I don't know, 20 shots on threes and threes, <laughs> I'll start off with 10 dice in my hand. Exactly. As everything drops, I'll keep dropping the probability down. And then in the end, it's like, you know, I might have six dice in my hand and they're like, okay, that's five wounds. Then I'm, easily just drop one dice out bang and you're like okay and actually that will again going to what you've said joe that'll make you a better player that'll make you a faster player um you know and then when you're on the clock and you're at worlds then you know you're in the groove one but of the things th- that one of the things your opponent will do quite often right if they're if they're if they're counting how many successful wounds they'll be and it depends on their particular brain architecture and what their personality type is but they'll often count them out loud to you so mm. they'll often you know if they've rolled if they've got 12 dice there they'll often go two four six eight ten twelve and i use that as an opportunity to pick up my dice as they're counting um you know and it's like you say owen it's just a variation of you having 10 dice in your hand and you know it's easier it's easier to have 10 dice in your hand and you know you've got 10 and drop one out to make it nine than it is to count nine individual dice yeah um so it's just you can do that but really if you if you think your opponent is playing slow tell them (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. tell them come on man we can i really it's important that we get this game you know you even you know you can frame it to them you're more likely to lose this game if we don't complete it yeah so yeah. let's i'm gonna help you let's let's crack on right what I are think, your options i think as well you as the player um need to take some responsibility so if you're on a if you if you can't finish a game regularly within five turns and it's, you know, it's, you're taking a very complex army, then you should be a good sport and just do something else. Yeah, totally. You can, you can practice how to play that in your own time, but people have paid good money to go to that event. Like just because you can't be asked to practice it. Like, I'll give you an example. I took uh, mortal corn over to America with me and I know, I know I wasn't in the best emotional state over there, but the rounds are four hours and our games are still going four hours. And I can't hand on heart say all three of my games were my opponents. So it's my mortal corn is very, very complex. And I found that because I use all these different wild war scrolls that no one ever uses, explaining the army itself at the beginning and then deployment was taking an age. So I'm not going to be using mortal corn going forward because I'm not good enough and quick enough to use it. And I don't think that's my i don't think it's necessarily my fault either you know it's, it's the fact that 
is I want to use all these war scrolls that no one fucking understands. <laughs> no, you're not no. putting the army down because it's a bit shit, are you, Darren? No, no, no. I actually think it's very, very good, Owen. I'm, I, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm being an antagonist. He's <laughs> <laughs> just no, no, on you, Darren, already. He's getting ready for the, for the game. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I've learned to play it, Owen, I think, a bit better since we played. Um, it, it, I've learned that you shouldn't rush at your opponent. It's actually very good playing a math mallow style game but that's a conversation for another time interesting but, okay but, but, yeah, my yeah. Point, but my point and we'll, we can talk about that later um and when i say a math mallow type game for context he's a, a uk player guys that is phenomenal at the game and he doesn't play the game <laughs> as in yeah. he doesn't play age of sigma he plays it completely differently so i think yeah, we, have, very- we have talked about his kind of style on a previous episode i think as well yeah. so but I, if I can't finish a game for four hours, then I shouldn't be taking that to another tournament until I get myself to the point where I can finish within two and a half hours, you know, and give my opponent plenty of time to make all their decisions as well. Anyone can win a game of Age of Sigma if they've given themselves, if they gave, if they give themselves infinite time to make decisions. I fucking hate that people that they think they're so selfish. I'm going to just use all this time, you know. That's for me. That's terrible. Sport. I've got a lot of deep feelings about um, slow play. Clocks, <laughs> clocks. We all need to play with clocks. <laughs> I'm coming. Yes, I'm coming yes, round yes, to it, yes. Owen. I really am. I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But for the culture's not there quite, quite yet. So if you can't be honest with yourself, if you're the person that's taking taking, if you're taking up over half the time, there is an argument to say, well, I've I've got a more complex army and my opponent doesn't have a very complex army, so of course I'm going to be taking up more time. That's fine. But if you're taking up 75% of the time at the table, you know, that's that's terrible sportsmanship. Just use something different. You know, so I think I think people need to take a bit of ownership when it comes to slow play. And and as yeah, we said, if you've noticed yeah. it, as Joe's saying, just have the, you need to have the conversation, right? Because otherwise, you will just sit there and stew. For, you have it at the beginning the as well. So part of that conversation, I so slow plays less of a problem now because TOs are more active in sorting it out, and in packs have also got like there's going to be a slow play solution, you know. Whereas early Age of Sigmar, it wasn't really in packs. You know, there's a lot more slow play going on in early Age of Sigmar than there is now, I believe. Um, and as soon as slow play gets punished, then it goes away. <laughs> I know players that used to be terribly slow players, and now events have started doing this. All of a sudden, they can finish their games. Oh, fuck me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as soon as as soon as soon it's punished, then slow play, so as soon as it's not rewarded, I should say, as soon as these players stop winning events because of their slow play, then slow play has gone, goes away, right? But if, if it's not in the pack or you don't trust that, you can have that conversation at the beginning. Like, what do we do if this game doesn't end? This is what I like to do. We'll theory it out. But if you've taken the, if I've taken the vast majority of the time or you've taken the vast majority of the time and it's your or my fault that this game hasn't ended five turns, then either I'm going to concede or you're going to concede. And I've actually done that against Benjamin Sava at um, Blood and Glory. It got to turn four. It was on the telly. It was streamed. And if it went to turn five, he tables me and he wins the game. But at that point, I was winning. So the game ended, to, and I went, okay, I concede. And it was quite funny because Benjamin was like, you could see his face was getting a bit red. He was like, oh, fuck, I've lost, but I should win. And I was like, hang on, we're mates. <laughs> we win. And then obviously he was very pleased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I think, yeah, you've got to take some responsibility yourself when it comes to slow play. Fantastic. And last question. What's the best power pose without being a dick? 
That's from Chris Myhill. So what's oh, the best power I actually, pose um, uh, I'll I'll send you a picture because um, <laughs> I actually I have a I have a picture of me doing this um, at Sheffield Slaughter in round five um, uh, on one of the top tables, um, and I'll show I'll send you a picture. You can put it on the Twitter. Fantastic, and we'll put it on our Twitter feed. <laughs> Amazing, thank you very much. Hello, my favourite one is Toby the Gorilla Stance. So there's a picture of Toby. He's bent over the table and he's got his knuckles facing his opponent on the table you know and he's got his shoulders squared and his head down you know that's for me that's the best power pose the gorilla stance that's that's my personal favorite by the way that's the gorilla stance yeah that's my thinking pose the silverback yeah silverback gorilla there you go you've heard it here first everyone so the silverback gorilla right that's all the questions so i think if we move on to our biggest mistakes and uh best top tips uh, Owen, if we start with you, biggest mistake you see with sportsmanship and a top tip for everybody. Oh, God. Um, top tip is just be the best. I know, God, this sounds awful. Just be the best version of yourself. Like You can't have a personality transplant. And we've all talked about all these things about being diplomatic and being this and being that. And some people just aren't built that way. But if you can just be respectful and polite and explain what your army does and go into the game wanting to have a good time and make a friend, not an enemy. That would be my top tip. Um, Mistakes. Um, I don't know. Just being really blooming loose with everything, you know, messy and loose and non-communicative. I think basically the opposite of what I just described in terms of, you know, a tip that, yeah, just, just be the best version of yourself and then you'll have a good time. And try and be clean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Darren, top tip and biggest mistake? I think the biggest mistake is waiting, you know, until you bring something up. You know, just if it's pissed you off, address it. You know, and not necessarily it's pissed you off, but if you think it's something that if it keep if it's going to keep happening, eventually I'm going to get pissed off, then just address it, you know, immediately and politely. And, and also if people, you know, reiterating what i said earlier if people check you then take that with grace you're not fucking perfect no one is you see you're just as likely to make a mistake as anyone and then top tip if you find yourself in a game where you're not being your best self so you could be tired or you know there's all sorts of reasons why you wouldn't be being your best version try to be a little bit more self-aware so just have like some self-aware checks at the table right it's my hero phase the first thing i'm going to do is What's my state of mind? Like, am I playing in a way that I'm happy with? If the answer is no, then you can go to your opponent. I'm just going to go get a drink or I'm going to go to the toilet or any excuse just to give yourself two minutes away from the table so you can recenter yourself. And then you can imagine, go just spend a moment imagining how you want to proceed in that game. And that could be confident or that could be jovial or that could just not be miserable, whatever. You know, and just spend a bit of time imagining that and then go back and then be be a little bit better than you were previously before you left the table. That would be my top tip. Yeah, fantastic. Joe, last one's yours. Biggest mistake and top tip. Okay, so um, I think my, my top tip uh, would be um, accountability, responsibility uh, and ownership. Uh, and if you can apply those, that's honestly my that's my top tip for you. Uh, I think your your biggest mistake is the opposite of that. It's blame excuses and denial. And um, <laughs> if you can get outside of blame excuses and denial, then 
you know, you, you're going to be doing okay. Uh, so yeah, that'd be my, my top tip and my biggest mistake. Fantastic. And I will add, after listening to all of you talk about all of this, I'm going to add communication, 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 because um, <laughs> that feels very apt for all of it. So fantastic. Right. Um, Darren's favourite section. We decided to do it slightly differently today, but thank you everyone for sending your stuff uh, in to us. Um, we're going to do our favourite opponent's play today. So I don't know how you're going to chant this out, Darren. Other um, people's play! <laughs> so this is the other people's play section. So we're, we've all got um, uh, other people's plays that we're going to talk about. Um, and I might mention some of the ones from the messages. So who would like to go first? Any of you like to go first? I'll go first. Go on then, Owen. Kick us off. Um, they're not my opponents, but having been at Six Nations and watched loads and loads of Warhammer very intently all weekend, um, I'd just like to call out two bits of excellent play from my teammates. So this is two of the, the Welsh players. Um, I'll start off with uh, Math Mallow, who we mentioned. He was playing... Beats of Chaos, not an army that he knows very well, borrowed and cobbled together. But I saw he had a Beast of Chaos mirror, and this was turn five, really close game. He was struggling for a battle tactic, and basically two big packs of Dragon Ogres were faced off against each other, either side of a piece of terrain that was in the middle of the board. And you could see the cogs whirring, and he knew that Desecrate was his only option, I think, at that point. And he knew that if he moved his Dragon Ogres onto the piece of terrain, then his opponent could redeploy and deny the battle tactic. So he merely used the hero phase Thunderscorn move to see if he rolled high enough to move enough onto the piece of terrain. And then he was then able to pick the battle tactic afterwards because it was at the start of the hero. Both both actions were at the start of the hero phase. I love that. So I thought that was very cute and very smart in a very high-pressure situation. And another one, uh, this is great. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, Darren, because it's your good pal, Rick Myhill. Oh, brilliant. Go so on. Rick got paired against Mick Wendell from the, um, the uh, Irish team. Chaos. Uh, and yeah, well, you'd think so, <laughs> but this game was over um, in, within the hour, very much in large part to the way that Rick played this one interaction. Basically, it was Marathi and the Bow Snakes and some Combat Snakes against Rick's uh, Knights of the Empty Throne. And he had the one unit of Sick of Aaron card that could pile in six. And Basically, uh, Rick took the first turn, laid everything out, positioned it really nicely. And then he bellicored Marathi on the first turn. And he got his spacing so perfect that she, he, Mick rolled so that Marathi could charge, sorry, could move. And moved right up as close as possible um, as she could to the Varangar to give a six-inch charge. And then failed to the charge. But because the Varangar can still pile in six in the combat phase, they were able to pile into Marathi, who then failed to roll another... He then rolled a three-up. So Marathi couldn't fight in the combat phase, but the Mm -hmm. Knights of the Empty Throne Varangar could. Then Rick won Pryo and did exactly the same thing again. He gave it away. Marathi failed to fight, and he was able to strip another three wounds off her in in oh, mixed, no on mixed double turn. Yeah. It was um it was pretty special that. And then then Rick got his second turn and um yeah killed Marathi, and that was that. Oh, so really? it was oh, um a beautiful way to play around that. I'd never seen it played that way because normally it's like oh she can't fight, um or or you know you wouldn't I don't know you'd be gambling if you made the charge then that you'd then want to roll not roll the three ups he's got the most out of that situation hasn't he 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, yeah. he everything out Brilliant. of that, and it, and it was a game-winning little interaction. So those are two fantastic little bits. Well done, Bruce. Well done. Yeah, Bruce. Shout Bruce. out to uh, shout out to Rick. Darren. Yep. Yes. So I played uh, on TTS recently against uh, my good friend Dan Bradshaw, and a nice little interaction that I saw. Um, he had Teclas, and Teclas has got this aura that if any spells affect him on a four plus, or sorry, if any spells affect him or anyone else that's with, wholly within this aura on a four plus, you can chin it off to an enemy that's within 18 inches or 12 inches or some such, and you do D3 mortal wounds, don't you? Um, and he did this cute little play where he, there was, I had a sort of priest outside of an objective and a sort of priest on an objective. And he came down, he shot the sort of priest and he did like one wound to it. So he was a bit annoyed with that. And then when he charged the slaughter priest, it then brought him into my, it then brought him into the horror ghast aura that I'd cast in a previous turn. And I didn't re- so because of the new FAQ, FAQ that says if uh, uh, an endless spell doesn't have a specific time when it triggers, then when you move into its aura, it triggers. So then he got to roll the four plus for Teclas that he didn't do previously because he wasn't within range until he charged. And he managed to do uh, D3 Mortal Wounds to my Slaughter Priest. He was then able to use um, Stomp and kill the Slaughter Priest, which then allowed him to pile in perfectly onto my objective and then kill my other Slaughter Priest. Now, it's not like it wasn't game winning. The game win was over at that point. It was just lovely. It was cute. It was it was again, it was optimal Warhammer, which is what I love. So well done, Dan Bradshaw, for showing me something I'd never seen before. Great. Thank you very much. Joe? Uh, yeah, I, uh, my team at Carnage Teams a couple of weeks ago, uh, we played a team called the Disciples of Janice, uh, which were four, <laughs> <laughs> which was four guys I'd never met before. And um, they'd made... Who's sure Janice? That, yeah, right. Uh, Janice was one of them's Vargolf. <laughs> they, they met on my um, Hammer Time tournaments, those guys. They sent me a really nice message a little while ago after they all met up in person for the first time. And yeah, they all met during lockdown. They met playing. during lockdown playing AOS on TTS, and now yeah. they're playing as a team at team events. It's oh. it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, and, that is uh, really nice. That's for, a Netflix film. It, it, it is. <laughs> um, and uh, and four really, really nice guys playing absolutely nails lists. And what was really interesting for me, actually, was they played tabletop AOS in like you would play on TTS. And those two things are sort of subtly different. Um, and it, it was great to play. Anyway, I played Alan. Um, and um, uh, I it's, it's a simple interaction, but I really enjoyed it. And it was extremely effective. Um, he, uh, I'm, I'm, I went first to move my army up. I'm playing a, a Blood Knights list with Manfred. Manfred's really important to that list. Um, and uh, you're looking at it. And with just one of his sort of throwaway units, like... I don't know, a unit of Sentinels or something. He cast the new Lumineth spell, Overwhelming Heat, um, on Manfred, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, I've only got two dispels, and you know, I just need to I need to hold I need to hold on for the good stuff. So yeah, Manfred's gonna ignore the first wound in this phase anyway. Not a big problem. Uh, so you just uh, cast you, you let you know, just let it go, that's fine. And then the next thing he did was uh, so the, with overwhelming heat that does D3 mortal wounds. Not a huge problem. Halves his move. I'm thinking Manfred's move 16. I'm halfway up the board. Not bothered about, not bothered at all about Manfred being half move. Uh, and then the next thing he did was cast uh, Jaws with Teclas. Um, mm. So, uh, and I didn't realize also that with Jaws, the first time you cast it, you can re-roll the 3d6. 
Um, uh, so um, Alan uh, halved Manfred's move, uh, ran the jaws over him, uh, and he, he re-rolled uh, the jaws movement into a six, a six, and a five, um, <laughs> and uh, just, just just took Manfred clean off. And it was one of those moments where you just went, "Well done, mate. That was wicked." <laughs> yeah, that is a, a horrific combo. I've seen it done into liberators as well. Oh you know, yeah, they're like movement two and a half. Um, yeah, you do it with shards. Cast shards as well. Support their movement. <laughs> yeah, very nice. I like that. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, for me, we've got a message from Steve. Um, so Steve follows. So thank you very much. For, he, he actually calls this the almost play. Uh, but Steve says he's playing Andy Hughes's uh, Nagash. Uh, his cursling unbound Nagash with the innate re-roll. He stole the hand of dust. I think people can see where this is going. Uh, next turn, his scribes two plus portals and the cursling destiny diced hand of dust therefore couldn't be stopped uh, because of the command trait. He says, unfortunately, the bastard survived, um, <laughs> but it was the, what was that cast on from Andy, followed by the, you can't stop it, and the <laughs> look of, oh, well, fuck me then. So, so thank you very much to Steve for that. Uh, and one of my opponents, I do want to shout this out. I haven't, I don't think I mentioned this before, but uh, probably my last uh, tournament game, which is a long time, so many shows how many, uh, how few tournament games I've played. Um, but this was round five at the um, is it Blood Tide Team Tournament. We were playing against Jack Fabian's team, the whatever they were called, four hundred. We win everything. Whatever the hell the team was called. Um, and it was round five on stream. And if we uh, if we uh, capped Jack's team, we would actually have won the tournament. So round five, all the all the marbles. And I played Fabian with his gargants. Um, you can go onto onto uh, uh, T Sports Network if you want to watch the travesty that unfailed for me. But um, Fabian was playing with the old gargants, and this is going to sound very simple, but it completely uh, it completely won the game for him because it blew my mind. Um, and I practiced against gargants a lot, and gargants at the time were walk onto objectives, sit on objectives, win. And so I was ready for this. I was playing an an Iron Jaws, a very aggro list to try and uh, get a Gargant. So I was ready to go in, do the damage, try and get them off as quickly as possible, win. And Fabian simply just uh, sacrificed one of the objectives, went and went into a corner, First took first turn, moved into a corner and set up in such a way that if I went in, I would lose a lot of units back. And I was not ready for it at all. Absolutely not ready. I'd never played a Gargant's player who actually sacrificed the objectives. And so what I should have done was then play the objective game. Um, but because I was so focused on how to beat a Gargant's team, uh, a Gargant's list, the fact that he moved away and sacrificed objective, I thought was was actually quite brilliant uh, against me. And so that, that that first turn, that first movement turn, just won in the game outright. So what's um, the power doing something that your opponent doesn't expect? Because yeah. then they've got to make, then, then their plan, they've got to make up on the spot. And a plan that's made up on the spot is a lot less better than a plan that you had going into the game, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so shout out to Fabian, I think, because uh, from my end, it was very simple, just a simple movement, but um, completely through me. So well done to Fabian. Um, so that I think that's it. I think that's all for our, our sportsmanship episode. So um, all that's left for me to say is, Joe, thank you very much for coming on, having a chat. I hope your uh, Twitter recovers from all the spice and the questions that get are getting fired your way. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I've loved it. Thanks for, thanks for being on, brother. Yeah, nice one, Joe. <laughs> no worries. But yeah, thank, thank you for coming on. And 
Darren, Owen, pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Um, do send or do keep sending your questions, your misplays, your plays, or other people's plays. Now we've yeah, got three other sections. Other people's plays. Send them in. Do send your other people's plays into us or into Darren, into Owen's Twitter feed. Do keep asking Joe sportsmanship questions on Twitter. He loves them, um, and we will try and answer all your questions, even the piss-taking ones. So that's all for me to say now. Thanks again. Be kind. Look after each other, and uh, we'll catch you all next time. So cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim, all made right here in the USA with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.